0: Good deal.
1: Is, is all I was thinking. That's all I was. Thinking. Like the beard, man. Looking good.
2: Thanks. It's. Uh, I need to get. I, I'm looking a little uh, homeless, or as they say it uh, in Ukraine, I'm looking a little chechen
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I got that from a girl, and I was like, okay, this is gotta fucking of to go. That's not good. <laughs>
1: All right, you guys ready to get started? We'll talk about batteries and all that uh, as as we move along. All right, all right, all right, lead heads, welcome back to the Talking Lead Podcast. This is our ten year anniversary, ten years of educating the uneducated here on the Talking Lead Podcast, and I've got a couple of big announcements that uh, we're going to talk about during this episode. Uh, but if you haven't had an opportunity, make sure you go back to our previous two episodes where we had uh, the November edition of the Talking Lead AK Corner. So if you didn't get an opportunity, make sure you go check that out. We talked shotguns. We talked AK shotguns with the guys at Dissonant Arms, Mike and Lan. And uh, we had a, had a really good time there talking shotguns. And we gave some nice prizes away. Mike and Land put up a, a magazine uh, extension thing for a flared magazine for your shotgun, and um, there was something else I can't remember what it was, but it was awesome. And then we gave away a ten pack of U.S. Palm mags with one of their rare banana mags and patch, and their super rare alien mag. Uh, with a alien patch, it's like that green color. Have you seen those, Brian? You seen them yet?
0: I have not. This is a uh, new and fancy uh, surprise.
1: Yes, uh, it's uh, it's an exclusive at one of their, uh, I guess, vendors or whatever. Uh, you can only get it from them. I can't remember who it is, but uh, that's where you get it. <laughs> you go back to that episode, and you're going to find out. I got other things on my mind for this episode, so all that's just kind of gone over my head. Um, So, Leadhead, to go back, check that out. And then the episode we had with Tun Jones, the former star of Auction Wars. Do you guys remember that TV show, Auction Wars? Yeah. Back in the, I don't know, was that the early 2000s or so?
0: It's the storage units, right? Like bidding on the uh, the mystery box? Yeah, it was like
1: the precursor to Storage Wars. That's kind of yeah, where it, Storage Wars stole its its idea was uh, from those guys. So Ton Jones joined us, and he's with a company called Air Force Air Guns. And we talked a little bit about air guns and some hunting that he's been doing. And, uh, oh, by the way, Ton just happens to be uh, a great cook also. So go check that episode out. Uh, I was trying to find my AK episode real quick, so because there was somebody else on there. Where is it at? The AK corners. Here it is. Here it is. And then also joining us on that episode was our buddy Drew. You know Drew, uh, Brian, from Century Arms?
0: Yes, sir. A problem to cause her extraordinaire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's, uh, he's hilarious. It's always a good time when we have Drew on the show. Oh, he's great. And then if you missed it and you didn't hear that episode, we made a big announcement that Century Arms is going to give us another BFT-47 to give away. So on the last episode of the Talking Let AK Corner, this season's uh, December episode, we are giving away another BFT-47 from Century Arms, ladies and gentlemen. That is awesome. And the way we're going to do that, Brian, is they said I could give it away any way that I wanted to. So we
0: finally get to do the mud wrestling.
1: (laughs) The the naked mud wrestling contest videos, uh, yes. However, I opted to go a more uh, noble route. And we're going to raise some money for the Sheepdog Impact Assistance Organization. A great organization that is, uh, helps our veteran men and women, not only the military, but also law enforcement and our first responders. And we're going to raffle it away. So as you're listening to this, uh, it should be around Thanksgiving. So uh, November the 23rd, 24th, 25th. Uh, the week after this is when we're going to give that away. So they're not giving away, but we're going to start the raffle. Uh, So be listening, watching the social medias. I'll have links posted to Sheepdog's website for the raffle tickets. I don't know how much they're going to be or anything yet. That's all still in the works. But um, next week is when we're going to start it, and it's going to run until the 15th of December. Um, And I'm going to postpone our normal 15th release date of the AK Corner to the 20th to give us plenty of time to – To raise as much money as we can for Sheepdog. But that's how we're giving it away. That's how you're going to be able to uh, enter to win if you didn't win the last one. Because we only gave one. So a lot of you didn't win, obviously. Uh, BFT 47 coming from Century Arms. uh, Through a raffle. So I thought that might be a little better than a mud wrestling. Boo. Boo. (laughs) Uh, Well, if you didn't like that, how about this, Brian? I'm also... Uh, we're going to do our 10-year anniversary huge giveaway with our friends and sponsors of the show. Um, and that's going to start December and run through the whole month of December. And right now, what we've got lined up is we've got an AP5 9mm from Century Arms. Whoa! And we also have a Tavor... Uh, I think it's an XG-16. It's the green, OD green, Tavor. Righteous. Uh, that we're going to have in that giveaway. Uh, and there's going to be more coming as far as the the firearms. Uh, but we've got Mission First Tactical is going to be involved. Seal One. Um, we've got our friends from ASP USA, Michael Hess. Uh, you know, they make all the cool uh, police gear cuffs and batons and They've got the awesome flashlights you guys have heard me talk about uh, on the show several times. Um, So they were going to have some prizes. There's going to be others. So that's going to start December, uh, around December the 1st, and that's going to run the entire month. And that's going to be through our Gleam thing like like we've done in the past. So you'll go and you'll like and subscribe to pages and social medias and Things like that of our sponsors. The more you do, the more entries you get, and uh, again, another complete random winner for all those prizes. We will have several winners on that. Everything's going to be divided up into separate separate prizes. Uh, it'd be nice, I guess, if one put one person were to win all that stuff, huh?
0: Oh yeah, we'll certainly have something for the uh, for the prize table there. We're still sharpening our pencils on exactly what it'll be.
1: Nice. We're excited, excited for that too. So more to look forward to. Occam is going to jump in on that. And we've got several others uh, that are going to yet. Uh, So stay tuned for that. So that's my big announcements, our big giveaways that's coming.
3: Rob would tell you that failing to prepare is preparing to fail. He's not a prepper, but survival skills, personal preparedness, and self-sufficiency are important skill sets in his book. His firearm of choice, the Kel-Tec RDB Survival, says a lot about him. This great compact bullpup rifle fits in a pack and tight spaces when he feels like bugging out. Unlike ordinary bullpups, the RDBS rifle redefines the concept of platform, offering a traditional rifle grip, balance, crisp trigger, and an adjustable buttstock. The RDB Survival delivers 5.56223 ballistic performance in a compact package. Weighing 5 pounds, 14 ounces, it has a patented downward ejection that allows for complete ambidextrous use with an intuitive safety and reversible charging handle. It's a get-you-there, never-let-you-down kind of rifle. Innovation. Performance. kel
1: I wanted to get that out of the way, um, and I want to introduce our our very special guest. Uh, but before I do that, I want to welcome Brian back. So it's been a while since Brian has... Been on the show, and this is our regular show. He normally joins us for the AK Corner. Uh, so, Brian, welcome back to the show. We're glad to have you back. I understand you went through a little uh, little sick spell there, and you're feeling better.
0: Yeah, there's the, the the fall, cold, the winter. Well, I guess it's winter now. We We got a real early winter, and so we're just getting that that first run of crud that everybody in town is catching. But uh, I'm vertical again and uh, super ho- super stoked to be on the show again. So thanks for having me and stoked to be talking with our guest, who's uh, one of my more favorite people out there.
1: <laughs> well, he's one of mine too, and he's going to have a lot of information for us this episode. Uh, and our very special guest this episode, ladies and gentlemen, is Neil Vermillion. Um, I don't know if you've changed your nickname or not on the grounds, but it's the combat accountant <laughs> since you have It, new, it is still yeah. Since you have a new profession now, uh, <laughs> I'm calling you the combat yeah. crabber. Yeah,
2: so actually, uh, funny thing enough, that actually might be changing back to the accountant side. I'm waiting ah. on a job offer to come through to go back into uh, into accounting, but not not cannabis this time. I'll go back into a um, more traditional. You know, legal in 50 states kind of I guess
1: you. Gotcha. Well, I mean, you think that's going to be more fun than the crabbing? Uh,
2: fun, no. But <laughs> fun, no. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen. Um, they've already canceled the snow crab and king crab season for the year in Alaska. Um, Didn't know so that. I need to find find something pretty rapidly. You know, they're, they're, they're saying it's global warming and the water temperature up there is rising. But in reality, it's the, uh, the Russian and Chinese uh, drag boats. That have been coming through and ripping up the the sea floor with with their nets and ah. uh, not letting the crab grow and mature, and so now so, we're out of a, an entire species
0: that is soon to be on the endangered species list.
1: Damn, I did not know that.
0: You know, <laughs> one of the there's there's some hope there, I think, and it's only because of the incompetence of the government in uh, <laughs> the the early to mid '80s in um, in New England. The striped bass fishery completely collapsed in like the same way like they were all gone like the news article headlines these days are like all the crabs are gone and we don't know where they went and um this like i said same thing in new england and uh there does appear to be something that'll occasionally happen where a population will just bounce or like one class will die but the other classes are still around and so I'm cautiously hopeful, only because of government incompetence, that they've missed where the crabs have gone. Now, I know that they don't migrate the same way that, that a bass does, but let's hope that that they're just hiding. They've found the one rock they can hide under to keep away from the Chinese and Russians. But yeah, it's, it yeah. sucks for the industry. That's for certain.
1: Well, it yeah. sucks yeah. So for that, our taste buds, too. Well, this yeah. is a fact. <laughs> I <laughs> love <laughs> to
2: be okay it's only up in the Bering Sea, and then the tanner season is still open. So there'll still be crab available to people here in the lower 48, but yeah. uh, just expect, like everything else in the world right now, a bit of a price
1: hike. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Well, you know what? What I heard, and you just kind of zipped through it, was that uh, our, our government or whoever is attributing it to global warming, but it's actually due to overfishing of the Chinese and Russians.
2: Correct. So that I mean, this is this is uh, somebody that I haven't been fishing for entirely too long. But the guys that I've worked with that have been up there for the last 40 years, um, that's what they're saying. Like, yes, there is there is a one or two degree um, increase in water temperature. But the um, in in the free fishing areas up there that are outside of U.S. territorial waters, the Russians and Chinese are coming through um, and doing a lot of unregulated sweeping the bottom of the ocean for everything they can they can sell and then killing and throwing back everything else. Whereas um, the U.S. government, because of how regularized we are, um, it's it's a very um, looked-after sustainable fishery. At least they try to make it.
1: Yeah. So some news to look forward to, some disinformation when the government uh, starts giving their global warming bullshit as to why the crabs are, are dying in the price hike for the for your crabs and at red lobster go up
2: and or hopefully like brian said hopefully you know they they do these these testings and these these uh quota draws uh in the same places for the last 50 60 years so like brian said hopefully maybe they just ran off somewhere they're not finding them and that's they're all just hiding somewhere else um
1: but yeah i don't uh, think they're But maybe it may you know maybe it has something to do with the water temperature where they're they're migrating to different temperature of water which still has nothing to do with global warming. It's just the tides, you know. Yeah, they they do that from century to century. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess I'm glad that you're getting back into accounting. Uh, it seems to be something that you enjoy doing. Doing, but you also have a another side gig which we're going to talk about. Today, that's going to be the, the main focus of our show today, uh, is you you've took a little trip overseas to Ukraine and have been uh, teaching some useful skills to those men and women over there.
2: That is correct. Uh, so I was in Ukraine from November 7th until um, October 13th, October 12th, so uh, a little shy of... Uh, of a month. Um to, I took I took a month to go, um, but it takes about half a week to get there, half a week to get back.
1: So October uh, so, to November? Say again? So, so October to November.
2: Yeah, sorry, I went the other I went the other way with that. You went
1: backwards. That's okay. Is that how they yeah. do it in Ukraine? Or are they did they go backwards? I'm looking at my, right?
2: my uh my tickets <laughs> on the bus to get me from Warsaw to, <laughs> to Kiev. So I was like I ran on the wrong way.
1: No problem, no problem. I knew what you meant. I just wanted to, to clarify. Uh, so, you're there about a month uh, over there. So, what spurred this um, this need for you to go over there and, and do some training?
2: Uh, so, while I was in Alaska this summer fishing for salmon, um, the company that I worked with in Iraq back in 2016, when we trained the Peshmerga and fight ISIS, uh, reached out to me and said, hey, do you have any um, interest in working with the Ukrainian military? Um, and I had always always had a, an interest in that, um, going back to 2014 with the invasion of Crimea and the Donbass and all the, the fighting that we all saw there years and years ago now. Um, but uh, it, it it just wasn't, it was on my radar, but I don't, I, I, it wasn't like, a, I didn't have a personal connection to it like I did Iraq. Um, mm-hmm. And so I kind of just let it slip by and it just so turned out we had a, a pretty, uh, abysmal salmon season this year in alaska as well so we don't need to harp on bad fisheries but that seems to be a trend right now mm. um so i had some free time um uh, about a month window between shooting um the uh, memorial three gun match uh and then of liberty gunworks their carving series so i said hey i got 30 days here uh, let's see if you make this work and they said yeah no problem so um they booked my my flight and uh Got me from uh, Phoenix, Arizona to uh, Kyiv, Ukraine, and then um, out east to the Donetsk, um, Donbass area.
1: So what kind of um, hoops did you have to go through to be able to, to make that trip?
2: Uh, <laughs> surprisingly, not that many.
1: Um,
2: hmm. Come to find out, if you have an American passport, you can just go places and do things, right? Huh. Um, even, <laughs> it's, like, it's like this wonderful stamp of no need for visas
1: and no need for anything else. Even if there's a war going on, you can go there.
2: Even if there's a war, yeah. So this time, um, I got a couple really interesting sideways looks from people, that's for sure. Um, so going into, uh, I landed in, let's see, Amsterdam, then Amsterdam into Warsaw, Poland, getting my passport stamped there. The, the woman at the uh, immigration little kiosk she goes, "Oh, oh, so what are you doing in Warsaw?" And I was like, "I'll be here for like 12 hours. I'm not doing anything." And she's like, "Where are you going?" I'm like Keith, she goes, "Ukraine?" I said, "Yes, ma'am." Is there another? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> she's like, "So, American Legion or International Legion?" I was like, "No, no, no. I have a job. I'm going to go work and, and train." And she's like, "For how long?" Like she did not believe a word out of my mouth at all. Um, I was like, "Oh, for thirty days, I'll be back. Here's my return flight. You know, here's where I'm staying. Here's, you know, that." that. She's like, "Good luck." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and so hey, I was I
1: it a sincere that. good luck or was it like, uh, "Nice to see you?" Uh, <laughs>
2: it was it was one of those uh, I hope to see you again kind of good lucks. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, so then we, you know, I, I spent some time in, in Warsaw, and then took a bus from there to Kiev. And then at the once again at the Ukrainian border, um, I was actually carrying over another two duffel bags worth of stuff for my team. So, of course, they go through. I'm, I'm sitting there with one 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 military age male who is the only military age male on this bus. Everybody else is female because men of our age group are not allowed to leave the country, much less return if they've left, because now they're draft dodgers. Um, so they're like who is this very large bearded American man and why does he have six duffel bags worth of equipment with him? Uh, so they went through all of my gear again, uh, looking for, they're like, where are your weapons? Where's your ammunition? And I was like, all that stuff's in Kyiv. all that stuff's in Donetsk. And they're like, you're coming here without weapons and ammunition? I'm like, you're not, you don't allow me to. I come here with mine detectors and NBC gear and, you know, all right. this kind of, kind of, kind of stuff. Um, and uh, so then, you know, they gave me a little hassle there. Uh, they delayed the bus by about an hour, and
1: then, then I was on my way. And that was it. You're you're there, ready to go to work.
2: Yeah, um, and the timing could have been better um, because I the, they just started those uh, UAV and um, cruise missile attacks the week before I had shown up. Oh damn! Uh, and there's an ongoing joke in the company of whenever Neil shows up, shit goes sideways, and of course. <laughs> It does. So I, I I roll in. I'm looking at my. Uh, so let's see. I, I rolled in Thursday afternoon. So I was there Friday. We go to the bar, have a great time. Uh, Kiev is still open. It's still a normal city. Uber's activated. Uh, Tinder's very active. We can talk about that later. It's pretty fantastic.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh,
2: but uh, so you know, we go out. I'm, I'm getting a little lay of the city, kind of you know, seeing the sights, kind of get my gear together, and then Monday morning is when the Russians like to attack in mass, and so that was also the day um i mean that was the first maybe the second blitz they had of you know a hundred cruise missiles in these iranian drones attack so we're sitting there in kiev out outside the city a little bit but still within kiev proper and we hear the explosions we're hearing stuff and we're like okay this is normal uh but then we hear small arms fire we hear uh you know 25 30 millimeter 40 millimeter stuff going off which is not you know your normal things in in the area we're hearing you know PKMs, we're hearing AKs, we're hearing, like, what the hell is going on? Like, did they just invade from um, Belarus? Because that was the big conversation at the time. About a month, a month and a half ago, where they were worried about that. So I was just like, fuck. Like, I haven't even zeroed a rifle yet. I haven't said up, like, I've just set up my gear. Like, we're we're literally in a ground battle. What's going to happen? I'm freaking out because this is kind of what happened last time in Iraq. We'll come to find out. The Ukrainian civilian populace, because these drones are so slow, they can shoot at them. So on this particular Monday, everybody decided to go on their balcony and try to shoot them down.
1: <laughs> nice. And
2: so, and I'm
1: target I, practice.
2: Hand to, God, hand to God. The the mayor of Kiev came out and said, "Please do not shoot from your balcony at the drones. Let the emplaced AA guns take care of this for us."
1: <laughs> <laughs> so people were just like, a, you know, this is like a a turkey shoot or something. You know, they're just going out and popping drones yeah. just off their balcony. With, a, yeah, with I mean, a beer in their I hand or something. <laughs> yeah.
2: At, at 8 a.m. They're just out there just popping shots like it's the, you know, the international five-stand course of your local uh, sporting class. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's awesome. I'm sure you took part in that, right?
2: No, I was more concerned. Like I, my pucker factor was at about a hundred. I was super concerned about guys on the
1: ground and me not
2: knowing what's going on. And, and, and then we found out a, about that. and I was like, I hate everybody. This is
1: just <laughs> another Monday for them, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. It, you you get desensitized pretty damn quickly um, to those Can't things. imagine.
1: So when when you got there um, and you said Kiev is open for business, and you know it sounds like they're going about everyday business is. And all these missiles and everything—is it—is it, is it dis- destruction everywhere, or what's it look like? What kind of condition is it in?
2: It's it's wild because um, Kiev is a, a city of—you uh, can fact check me on this. It's probably four or five million people before the war started. Um, now there's maybe two, so it's it's very depopulated. Um, there's you know it, it's very reminiscent of, of like World War II. You'd see of the. Um, are they called hedgehogs? Those uh, big steel, kind of
1: yeah,
2: thing, uh, the, the big
1: uh, tank um, blockers.
2: Yeah, so those are those are on every highway. Um, some a lot of times they're just piled up on the side, waiting to be reused again. There's yeah. bunkers on the roads, freeways everywhere, side roads. Um, there's checkpoints. You gotta have your passport with you whenever you're traveling around. Um, there's rolling blackouts from power. Um, so it's. I mean, it, it's it's not thriving but they're trying to thrive yeah. so for example I you know like I said Tinder's active so if
1: I went on a date a couple dates while I was there <laughs> and uh, like you, my first one I went to the it's pretty sad restaurant. you gotta go all the way to the Ukraine war-torn Ukraine to get a date <laughs>
2: oh I can't get a date here back in Arizona save my life but I'll tell you what they love large bearded Americans in Kiev, and they are all you know between 5'4", five, 5'9", five, skinny oh. Euro- Eastern European models every one of them it is ridiculous.
1: Now I want to go.
2: It, oh, it, I highly recommend it. I, I gonna, might go back just for that. Uh, I'm going to set and up a my profile. My buddies also, we're, were joking about bringing home war wives, um, <laughs> but it, I digress. But we, we went to this Georgian restaurant, and it was um, you know the power they run on a generator, so they were they only had minimal stuff in the kitchen. Um, you know they had candlelit tables, which was you know set the ambiance, but like I can tell wasn't the idea. Mm. Um, and so they're lo- they're running on low power, so like they're they're keeping things going. Um, you know, they're not letting not letting it affect them, but it's um, it, you can definitely tell there's a war very close by, um, and obviously the closer the war you get, the way more severe things get. Mm-hmm. But in Kyiv, there's like a um, a hopeful optimism to everything, at least at the time. Nowadays, uh, it's gotten a little more uh, depressing because uh, we had the first snow. Um,
1: yeah, I was gonna say the weather's starting to uh, the winter's hitting over there, now. Yeah, so yeah, the weather's coming in pretty hard, um, and uh, they have the first
2: snow. You know, getting diesel for the generators in Kyiv is is an option outside of Kyiv, Some places not so much. Getting firewood, you know, prices are starting to go up. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's it it's 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 like a weird of like it's like you're in downtown Manhattan if um, the rest of New York had been invaded. Almost kind of feeling. It's very, it's a very strange, hard to, hard to describe of like everything is fine, but everything is really not okay at the same time.
1: Compare that to uh, when you said you went over to the, the Middle East. Compare the situation that you were just in versus that situation that you were in. As far as the... Um,
2: it's... The Middle East feels more like a war zone,
4: yeah.
2: all everywhere. Um, at least, at least to me, it did. Um, Ukraine feels like a war zone at certain parts of the city. You know, like if you go down in downtown Kiev, they have the the, the destroyed Russian armor display. Um, so that I mean, that's like very in your face. Um, the 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 graveyards that are all strewn throughout. Uh, with all the fresh things, the memorial signs. Um, so I mean, it's it's you know the war's there, but like then you can also go to McDonald's that has a 20-minute wait because it's just oh uh, they just opened the one in Kiev. Oh wow. Um, so it's a it's a very um, and I guess what I was uh, thinking like,
1: is maybe like the the, the de- demeanor of the the locals. Um, it sounds like they're a little more optimistic and uh, like you said, thriving versus probably what you experienced in the Middle East
2: they're they're trying to be um, they're trying to put on a good face but at the same time you know you, you talk to these girls and they're like I slept in my hallway because I'm afraid that a, a cruise missile is gonna hit the side of my building and I don't feel safe in my apartment um, so it's like it's it's they're very um, I will not let this affect my life but then you know I guess kind of behind closed doors they're a little more scared of, of what's going on
4: yeah.
2: rightfully so. You know, um, and you have to have the conversations in the way I, I kind of, you know, being an accountant and using my brain and rationalizing numbers and stuff. I was like, you honestly, you look at statistics. I mean, they're launching, you know, two two of these missiles will hit Kiev and maybe 11 or 12 people will die. You know, sometimes only one or two. Statistically, you're more likely to get in a car accident on your way to work and die doing that than you are to get hit by one of these missiles and being killed. Granted it's terrifying to think about because you're used to the, that you're used to the vehicle accident being an always constant thing, but this is a new threat that you do not use dealing with. So of course that's what you hyper-focus on. Sure. Um, but it, it when you have that kind of conversation, rational um, time with people, they go, Oh yeah. Okay. So I guess it really isn't that bad. I'm like, but then the next strike comes on a Monday and then all that goes out the window. And
1: yeah. And I guess as far as, um, them welcoming you there versus the Middle East, I'm sure that's a whole different uh, experience too. Oh. Yeah the
2: um, the the Ukrainian people are extremely um, uh, word I'm looking for um, um, <clears throat> thankful. Yeah, I'll, I'll say not beneficial, but yes, yeah, thankful. Like they they love us. They they absolutely yeah. like you go places. And I saw this in, in, um, in outside of herbal when I was there, appreciative. Maybe that's
1: a better people. word. Appreciative. Say again, I said appreciative. Maybe that's a better word. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They're like, they're, you know, there's a, a couple reporters that were with us. My first couple of days that were getting laid the land. And one of the guys had a, a friend of hers that, of his that owned a cafe. And he said, Hey, you know, this woman, she, she just wants you guys to come have some coffee. And she just wants to say thank you. And I was like, I haven't done anything. She's like, he's like, yeah, but like you're here. And to her, like she's been here, you know, a lot of people left Kiev after the invasion. um, And when when the Russians were super close, they took over the airport and they were slowly pushed out. And this woman stayed there the entire time. She kept her her cafe open the entire time. And um, we just went. So she gave, you know, we went and had some coffee with her. And she just wanted to say thank you and give us like all a big hug. And um, it, was, it was super cool to see, it was super sad, but it was super cool to, to see that sort of, um, you know, in telling her, look, I haven't done anything. I got here yesterday. You know, I've, I've done nothing for your country. I've done nothing for you, but I'm here to do something. And I think that like, that's what she, she needed. You know, she, I'm glad that somebody from America, from NATO countries is, is physically on the ground here and is in Kyiv and is doing something about the situation that's going on.
1: Right. Well, this is like you said, the fact that you were there and you were willing to, and you're getting ready to, so, um, makes sense. But yeah, the, the gratitude that they, that I guess that they are showing you versus when you were in the Middle East, probably completely different, two different types of, uh, again, I'm searching for words here too, but, uh, I guess, I guess feelings of, 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 whether they want you there or they don't want you there kind of deal.
2: Yeah. The, there were, in the middle East. There were still a lot of people I saw that didn't want us there, um, or were skeptical because they were so used to seeing white Americans there for so long. Yeah. Um, but Ukraine is definitely like, Oh, there's other like people like me that are here. You know, it's, it, the, the cultural differences are, 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 are pretty big, but it was, um, I definitely felt more welcomed in Ukraine than I did in the middle East. Like I, I would get in taxis, um, and just a 40 minute taxi ride to go to dinner in Kiev and not worry about it at all. Whereas even when I was in, um, or and I had my own Hilux, I was like, all right, we're bringing a gun. You know, we're like, we don't really trust these people hundred percent. We trust the areas, but you know, who really knows? Yeah. But in Kyiv, like I was, I would, there was zero concern about in personal safety. There was, you know, everybody there was like,
1: everybody's on your side. You don't have to worry yeah, about. Yeah. 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 I get it. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to talk about more as we get into this. Um, we got a lot more to talk about. Um, but before we do that, uh, Neil, we do this little segment it's called The Planes and Trains. Uh, and we take care of some jack wagons and we honor some Leadhead Brigade heroes. Uh, and we're going to do that real quick before we uh, continue on with your story. So, Gunny, bring that train in.
3: Hoorah, Semper Fi, do or die, hold them high at 8th and It is time for the talking lead jack wagon of the week, so brace yourself, baby. All right, the train
1: has stationed, and I've got a couple of jack wagons that I want to take care of, and then I know we've got uh, at least one so far listener uh, jack wagon. So I'm going to go to the listener jack wagon first. And this comes to us from Leadhead Giddyup, Jonathan Gallup. Uh, and as everybody knows, you know, the elections, we just went through uh, one of our election cycles here, and I guess we're still doing it in some of the states. Uh, they're still battling it out. But um, uh, Jonathan says, "Lefty, Michigan lost all law-ma- lawmaking bodies to the Dems last week in the election, and the governor is still Gretchen Whitmer. Isn't that the one that that they tried to kidnap, Gretchen Whitmer? She's
0: the one that the FBI tried to kidnap, if that's what you mean, and then set up some yokels.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah, that's the
0: one. So, yeah, the FBI totally tried to kidnap her. Sorry, please go on.
1: (laughs) You said those guys got acquitted?
0: Oh, yes, sir, they did.
1: Oh, nice. Okay, I didn't Yeah,
0: no, they got set up the—I didn't uh, study— super carefully but there was a, an FBI agent or informant who got the dudes high and then slept with them and uh I'm sorry but most men don't have you know once once you've gotten them high and gotten them laid <laughs> uh you know it, you own them at that point. And uh, I believe that came out in the case and was not helpful to the prosecution. But there was a bond, basically, like there was a group of five dudes and three of them were FBI related people. And they were the ones who came up with the plan and everything.
1: Well, see, and there the you go. You don't you don't hear like, that story. They don't talk about that in the in the I,
0: news, in the media. I, I'm I'm aware, but you can uh, find it. It's pretty great.
1: That's awesome. I love. It. I'm going to I'm going to have to look that up now. Uh, so Giddy Up goes on and says, basically minutes after the election, they be, you know, began their gun control business uh, again. And he provides a link, but um, what a load of hogwash, he says. Nomination is obviously the opportunistic Dems and the idiots who helped vote them in. This hasn't happened in 40 years. And when they had control last, Flint, Detroit, Lansing, and Grand Rapids were all rotting from the inside. I'm beyond pissed off because of this. I wonder why. You basically don't even need to look at the link. It's all the uh, tried old talking points. 10 round mags, safe storage, the return of the almighty gun boards. Uh, Don't get me started on those. Same stupidity, different day. So anyway, I hope this message finds you and yours well and in good spirits. So that is a great nomination there. Uh, Giddy up. Thank you for sending that in. And yes, they definitely are going to get a ride on the jack wagon train. You guys have anything to add to that?
0: All gun laws are infringements. Yeah. You know, and like if if you're waiting for somebody to come save you, go to the bathroom and look in the mirror.
1: There you go. All starts with you. All right, y'all have any jack wagons? Neil, you got a jack wagon? Got anybody wanna throw on the jack wagon train? Let me do mine. Um, I've got one here. And uh, this comes to us from Texas. It says, Texas mystery man dubbed Edward Scissorhands cuts neighbor's trees overnight. So it says, neighbors want to nip this vandal in the bud. A mystery man who who residents have dubbed Edward Scissorhands has been bizarrely snipping branches off residents' trees late at night in Fort Worth, Texas, stumping cops and neighbors. The self-appointed arborist Oddball has trimmed at least a dozen trees on streets in front of homes in the area and was caught on camera several times mid-snip, according to CBS. Sometimes he'll just take a little bit, but then other people's trees, he'll take massive gobs. Neighbor Ashley somebody-fumed now, they're they're pissed that this guy is going and trimming their trees. He's not like cutting them down or anything. He's actually trimming them and making them look nice. And these people are upset about this.
2: I was going to ask what like in what context? Like is he just like shaving off a side of a tree or is he like trimming the tree cuz I pay a lot of money to have someone do that for me. So if he can live next door to me, that would I would love that.
1: Exactly. Right I'm I'm going to offer, you know, that this guy can come to my neighborhood. I'll even put him up. You know, if he wants to do my trees. Because, yeah, they charge an arm and a leg. I had a, a, a company come out a couple weeks ago to give me an estimate on trimming some of my trees and branches. And it was just like four trees. And you know how much it was? Three grand. They want to charge me three grand just to trim some some trees, some branches. I,
2: th- I thought my 1800 was bad. <laughs>
1: no, Freaking ridiculous, man! And I had a couple that I wanted to, you know, just cut down and and take away. That was going to be. I didn't even want to get into that. It'd probably be another five grand each. Yep. But it goes on to say in a home surveillance footage, the branch bandit can be seen doing the deed normally at around three a.m. with an unleashed dog before stepping back to admire his work. It says I was I was talking to my wife Emily and I was like, Hey, we had a storm last night this guy said, uh, referring to down limbs in front of his home. So I guess he's not carrying the branches off. You know, I get maybe that's what they're pissed about. Um, and she was like, oh, no, that's Edward Scissorhands. And so I was like, uh, what? His wife, Emily, said the limb lifter had earned the nickname, a nod to the '90 movie Johnny Depp. I think we've all heard of the Edward Scissorhands movie. Uh, people in the neighborhood were talking about it, and seems like he was just hitting certain streets. Police are now using the footage to investigate who the unwanted tree trimmer may be. Uh, the station reported he starts trimming the tree and admiring his work, and kind of stepping back. "Said Danny, adding he wants the guy to cut it out. We really just want him to stop doing this." <laughs> so. There you go. Um, and the guy who's cutting the trees is not my jack wagon. It's it's these idiots that are complaining that someone is beautifying their neighborhood for them, uh, which obviously they're too lazy to do themselves.
2: So I do love the the fact that was pointed out very clearly with a unleashed dog.
1: Yes, you know that that's probably <laughs> more, they're more pissed about that than anything. Yeah,
2: Here, that that person is on that HOA for
1: sure. No doubt. No doubt. And I've got a... Here's a little picture. Here's that surveillance footage. Here's the dude. Looks like he's got his jogging pants on and uh, whatnot. <laughs> but that's ah, the, this is great. the surveillance footage that they have of him. <laughs> here's, here's some of these bonehead neighbors. He's like, duh. So that, that's the America that we're dealing with. And this is in Fort Worth, Texas. There you go. So, all right. So that's my jack wagon. Did that spur any jack wagons for the, the two of you?
0: Well, as you know, Marty, I've got a really long list, but we had talked about uh, going over the uh, happenings in Moscow. So I can, I can cover that real briefly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's
1: talk about that. Cause I know a lot of people um, are anxious to know what's going on there in Moscow with that, the, the murders that just happened to those college students that got stabbed to
0: death. Well, the first thing to know about Moscow people is that if you call it Moscow, they get all uppity and say, no, not like Russia. It's different. Yeah. But the funny thing is that <laughs> if you have any Russian friends and you ask them how they pronounce Moscow, they'll call it Moscow. And so there's this funny, yeah. There, there's an interesting thing another big deal with moscow is it's that like prescott
1: when... arizona prescott it's prescott oh yeah uh, totally it's not yeah. prescott it's like fuck yeah. you
0: <laughs> or or Buena vista colorado which is the funniest thing ever it's buena vista but they're like nope that's not how you say it that's a mexican word it's Buena vista
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, well, i love it
0: yeah so anyway the other thing that's you know, Moscow, one of the reasons I love it is that it's um, up until COVID and the Great Reset and all that, it was like stepping back into 1950s, 1960s America. You know, very Mayberry, very low crime rate. Um, we've had a couple of odd killings in town in the last, like, two mass shooters Um, With low body counts, but still shocking for just a little town in the middle of of Prairie, basically. Um, We do have a university and another major state university over uh, on the other side of the border in Washington. And uh, when people, when longtime locals introduce themselves, they'll often say like, hi, I'm Bob. I'm a vandal, which is University of Idaho. Or I'm Jane. I'm a cougar. And people say that unironically with a straight face, yeah. and uh, so it's just a v- the the universities are a really central part of the ident- identity of the town. And um, Sunday morning, some kids woke up in an off off campus housing, like a, an apartment house, mm-hmm. um, and discovered that four of their housemates had been um, stabbed to death overnight, and there was blood. Actually, there's a crazy photo uh, up on the interwebs of blood leaking out and dripping down the foundation of the house. So I, everybody's being extremely tight lipped. I've got a few friends who are cops and, uh, other friends in local government and none of them are saying anything. And, um, so I don't have any inside scoop. Um, but, uh, we've been following it enough to where we've kind of got a decent idea now that basically there was a keypad on the door. So anybody with the combination could get in. Mm-hmm. And um, two of the girls had like 10 conversations within 30 minutes with an ex-boyfriend of one of the victims. And so nothing's definitive yet, but that's the first piece of data that has things starting to click into place. And um, the um, the police have been very clear that They were targeted. They haven't said that they know why or how that they know that. And there were some early missteps, um, with the local police because there are no murders don't happen here. Violent crime.
1: They don't have the experience, right?
0: Yeah. And these are good people. And the police chief, um, apologized publicly for two things midway through last week. One was saying that there was not a threat to the community. And, um, the other was in being late to give a press conference at all. I think they, it was like Tuesday or Wednesday after the Sunday when it happened, when they first had a press conference and, uh, he was getting a lot of heat for that. And, um, I, it was the first time in 25 years that I can remember a, a public government official apologizing for anything. And it was so refreshing to be like, what a stand-up dude. Yeah. You know, he just took it right on the chin and said, I should have done better, we will do better. What more can you ask? And I, I just, I celebrate that and want to make a big deal about it because that's what's missing from almost every other politician in America right now is some sense of ownership and responsibility for the calamity they've brought down. Um, I agree. So that was yeah. one thing. And the other thing I'll say is that, Both our sheriff and police chief, I'm not a fan of gun laws or, you know, a lot of laws in general. So I'm not a big, you know, thin blue line guy. However, both our sheriff and uh, police chief have forbade their officers and deputies from investigating the legality of any firearm or suppressor they come across. So if you get pulled over in Moscow with a full auto shorty, with a a friggin' oil can oil oil filter screwed to the front end yeah they can't touch it they can't even write anything down about it so these are people that these our law enforcement typically really is pro 2a and is awesome and so uh for anybody that's in the moscow area that happens to be listening uh telling your local government people that uh we really like the chief and we don't want him gone i think is probably a, a good idea
1: very good. Very good. Here's just, a, just a- an update that I found here. Moscow police provided an update on the investigation of the quadruple murder at the University of Idaho. Uh, investigators have been looking into reports that Kaylee Calvis, uh, one of the four students killed, had a stalker. Uh, so there's something there says the police have pursued hundreds of pieces of information but have not been able to identify a stalker or verify that Kaylee had one. And if you've got information that can help detectives, you're asked to contact tip line 2088837180 uh, or you can email tip line at ci.mosco.id.us. Um, so hopefully by the time you guys hear this, they, have, they will have uh, apprehended... The uh, perpetrator, perpetrators. I mean, I would think there had to be more than one to take out that many college kids. You know?
0: Yeah. Before we heard about the ex-boyfriend, um, I was having um, fantasies of you know, like a drug mule that that pinched some product or something, because there is a drug corridor that runs straight through our town from like Vegas. You can get from Vegas to Coeur d'Alene just on one road, and um, it's sort of a back road for drug trafficking. Mm. And uh, there's Russian mob up in uh, Spokane now, and uh, so and there's also some MS-13 up there. So that was what we were kind of talking about around the water cooler before the ex-boyfriend thing, and all of a sudden that starts sounding really simple so we'll see it's really shocked the town very badly because this is the kind of place where people don't lock their doors people leave their car keys in the ignition it's that kind of town and so it's really stressing people out because they're just not used to kind of how neil was talking about ukraine and the sort of weird flip the switches that flip for people where all of a sudden their their situation is the same but it's not and uh, that's yeah.
1: Well, it's going to be like that. I, you know, I think it's going to be something like that. Um, the the gay club that was just shot up. Um, where was that at?
0: Colorado Springs. Um, yeah,
1: Colorado Springs, yep. where the the perpetrator again fits the complete mold of every you know mass murder that we've seen up to date. Is they had a prior record. There was. There were warning signs. He'd been arrested before for things, and he was let go um, just to go and, and do something like like he just did. Um, so I'm not going to be surprised if this, somebody's got mental problems or people. Uh, I don't think it's going to be people. It, it's probably just going to be one person. But, again, the murder weapon, too, they say is a fixed blade knife, which they haven't recovered, so they don't know for certain what it is, but it's some sort of a cutting instrument, stabby instrument.
0: Yeah, they're, they're having a real hard time finding any big clues apparently. And, uh, yeah, they were looking around K bar was getting thrown around as, as what it probably was. Um, but nobody sold one recently in town and there's only a couple sporting goods shops in town, so it's it's stumping them. They've brought the FBI in. Um, they're using their psychological, psychological like profile team like they do for serial killers. Yeah. So, uh, they're throwing everything at they can at it as far as I know.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just weird that they don't have some better leads, yeah. especially in today's technology with all the cameras and everything that people have on their doors and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Do you guys, do you, you guys have a lot of those, um, cameras in your town
0: far too many of them yeah yeah Yeah. they they pipe all that stuff to the feds and so i'm just seriously not a fan but yeah it is ubiquitous here
1: yeah i would think that would probably play a big part in their trying to solve this
0: and they do have a bunch of video just not anything that's conclusive um yet. yet so we'll see
1: gotcha all right, well, let's counter all this negativity with a little positivity. Uh, and I don't know how positive this is, but, um, my hero, uh, one is the guy who's trimming the trees there in Texas. Uh, he's, he's one of my heroes. I love that guy. Um, and his dog. Now, here's another one. This is, um, again, Texas, again, another Texas story. And this is, uh, I don't have the dateline here. I'll find it when I read his story. So this may be the most blunt help-wanted ad of all times. It's Texas business under fire for now hiring non-stupid people sign. (laughs) So this guy is my hero. Walter Parsons, owner of Pets Gone Wild Resort, bought the eye-catching sign after growing frustrated at some of the workers whom he had previously employed. We're trying to weed out the people that do come in. We hired one last week that lasted three days, Parsons told uh, this news station. While the unconventional tactic seems to have worked for Parsons, some locals have taken offense to the unconventional signage. What does it say to prior employees? Oh, we think you're stupid, so we're trying to hire somebody that we think is smarter than you. A Pasadena resident named Taylor There's a stupid name right there. Told KHOU11. The fact that they felt so emboldened to put something up like that, it's disgusting, it's distasteful, and it's unprofessional, Taylor said. He must have been one of the people that they didn't hire. Um, Despite the criticism, Parsons said that within 24 hours of putting up the banner, he found three applicants. The pet daycare owner said previous staff were unmotivated, often paying closer attention to their cell phones than the pets they were being paid to look after repeatedly get off the cell phone your dogs you got dogs to watch okay put the cell phone up go back out there 20 minutes later she's back on her cell phone parson said at least be as smart as i am <laughs> so that's all he's looking for uh come through here and it's take a, a tour major-
0: Sorry, it's no, a major ahead. problem right now. Major. And I think it's a combination of drug use and mental health issues where a lot of people just are not performing to their IQ, to their potential, let's say. Let's not even talk about IQ. Just when people are as worried as they are about different things right now, boy, is it showing. You know, it's it's
1: yeah. well, I, the it's, difference
0: between now and pre-Great Reset is insane. It's lack
1: me. of of holding this generation accountable for their actions and the coddling, you know, the incessive coddling that's happened uh, over the last few decades. Um, it's catching up to us. You know, the, uh, what is that movie? Um, idiocracy. Idiocracy, man. Yep. It's, it's real. Yep. yep. It, it is absolutely it's a real. thing real. at this point. And, and I
0: think that, we should start talking about phone addictions, which we all have um, as more like a drug problem than not. Um, it, As far as I can tell, social media and phones in general function nearly identically to a chemical drug and um, it is doing really bad things to our brains and our society.
2: So I have an anecdote about that specifically um, and I, Brian, 100% agree with you because when I got back from Alaska, <clears throat> both times this last year for winter and summer fishing. Um, You know, our phones don't work up there. You're out in the ocean, you know. So I'm like, this this is a brick. All this is is like an MP3 player, you know, and movies at night. And um, so I came home. I'm used to my phone not working. I lost my phone in my house. Don't care. I'm so used to not working, no big deal. For like a week, I found my phone after like three days because I wasn't concerned, but I eventually was like, I need to find my phone because I don't want to buy a new one. But people, are, I, I heard you lost your phone. Are you okay? Like, is everything fine? I'm like, yeah. Did you call me? Did you text me? No. Well, then, what are you worried about me losing my phone for? Because <laughs> well, then you're not in communication with people. I don't need to be. I don't need to check Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or all these, you know, these different things. I don't need to be in constant communication with you. Because guess what? Life, like, if you want to see somebody, you just go out the door. And you can go find them, like, and you can interact in person. It's great. It's like we used to do back in the day, you know. Like, you know, speaking of, you know, how how your town is, you know, kind of stuck in that the '50s and '60s. You know, you remember back in the day, we'd ride around and find where's everybody at. Oh, look for all the bicycles in the front yard.
4: Uh-huh. You know,
2: same kind of concept. Like, you can still look at all the cars that are parked in front of somebody's house. Like, it's okay to still do that, um, but people could not wrap their heads around me going, Yeah, I don't know where yeah. my phone is.
0: Yep.
1: Well, it was the whole the COVID thing too, where people were locked up and isolated, and you know that that was their you know their comfort zone right there, and that's how they kept in touch and checked on people, and you know made made people even that much more reliant on you know the the digital age, the, Big the phones, the computers, and
0: and you know, that's you know, you know, what the World Economic you know. Forum wants. You will own nothing and you will be happy you will live in the pod you will eat the bugs you will netflix and chill that is mm-hmm. absolutely you will use our digital currencies that is absolutely the goal
1: yeah we can and catch you off at any e- time 10,
0: 15 second time span the attention span people have
3: Mm-hmm.
0: like yeah so yeah it is getting to be i i am trying to actively figure out how to remove my phone from my personal life because um, I I think we're making a terrible bargain in having this close an attachment to an electronic object. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's a it's definitely a quagmire. I'm trying to figure that Brian, out. Right. I
2: have a suggestion that I, that I that I've been I've been toying with too because I I I, I want to give it up but I don't because I'm still just yeah a, yeah understood. You know, I'm I still I, I still got the needle in my arm. I haven't quite pulled it out yet. Yep. Yep. Um, get one of those what nokia 88 88 or what are, what are those ones from back to the blue ones that had snake that send text and phones and that's it yes if you get one of those i guarantee all
0: you're gonna do is use it for what it's for so this is heartbreaking um i actually set up a uh, there's an, a distro of android that has all the spyware ripped out and i believe it's called legacy something like that or heritage it's some some Thing like that and a buddy of mine set me up with an old phone that ran that and it was perfect because it did signal text and phone and you could add stuff you could make it as dumb as you wanted but it would run signal as well and uh it worked for one day and uh the you guys may have seen Rojas on the back of your electronics in the last 15 years or so and it's lead-free solder plus some other stuff and lead-free solder is dying wicked fast and uh, my buddy who was refurbishing these phones for a while was saying he was having to reflow most of the bgas which is a particular ty- kind of solder joint that's tricky but these phones use and uh it still doesn't work and so we're having this problem where there's not even old phones kicking around that work we did find another one though and i'll it if we get it running i will um i'll pass it around cuz it's a 2021 that will run legacy and so you can kind of do the thing you're talking about it's just insanely more difficult than i thought it would be and that it should be but totally agree with you on going backwards that's a good thing
1: you know, personally i feel the same way that you guys do on a personal level and and i don't i try my best not to use it for anything other like you saw like an mp3 playing music and you know listen to the to podcast and stuff but you know from a business point of view yeah you know, I, I gotta have it i mean there's no way yeah. around it it has to it's be totally not optional on a business level totally agree yeah. yeah yeah it's completely not optional so you know there's that that double-edged sword kind of deal um
0: well, and, and I don't want to make myself out to be some purist because I have a wicked Twitter addiction. So, like, you know, I'm <laughs> wrestling along with everybody else. It just happens to be news and current events instead of, you know, TNA. Uh, yeah.
1: TNA. <laughs> Tinder. Uh, I want to hear more about this Ukraine Tinder, you know. that's Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> right.
1: I mean, your next trip, I may, I may want to hop along with you on this next trip just to get the tender dates. Uh, but
2: I'm telling you, it's, it's, if you're not married, it's. it's I'm, very I'm strange, single,
1: very man. Easy, bro. I'm bro, I'm ready to go. Let's go. I'm, I'm ready to haul it. Let's do it. Um, but let's get back. Let's talk about. Um, unless you guys have any more jackwagons or heroes, you know, anybody you want to recognize.
0: You know, I got a quick hero, and it's the yeah. uh, unsung uh, old people who are teaching young people skills. And we've, uh, we have a, two ladies who I won't mention by name because they're pretty private people. But my daughters have uh, been adopted effectively by two old ladies who are teaching them tatting, which is lace making, and sewing and knitting and crocheting and macrame and all these cool fiber arts. And um, w- we got to know them through we homeschool and my wife and kids were walking around the neighborhood all the time and uh one of the ladies has a bad hip and asked if they would mind taking her dog for a walk and they and she's like it went well and there she was like can i trade you guys sewing lessons for dog walking and it's blossomed into this really cool cool friendship and she's coming over for thanksgiving dinner so if you are somebody like an exer who grew up with a feminist mom or just for whatever reason didn't get the arts and crafts stuff and you don't know how to teach your kids I guarantee you there are a bunch of old people rotting in their apartments looking for somebody to talk to and they're awesome. They're such cool people. So I just want to thank all the old people out there that are saving the skills of young people and also encourage folks to uh you can take two problems and make one beautiful solution. You can have daycare and elder care where they take care of each other and it's incredible.
1: I like that is that is awesome. So yes, they are definitely welcome on the uh Air Force One.
0: There it is. They deserve it.
4: They deserve it. No doubt. Hey, Leadheads. White Settle with Seal One. Just here to talk to you and tell you a little bit about our product. Seal One CLP Plus is a bio-based, non-toxic product. It comes in a paste, liquid, aerosol, and pre-saturated bore-specific patches called Seal Skins. They all do the same thing, just different methods of application. The best way to use our product is to start with a clean firearm. There's two reasons why I say that. First, you start with the Seal One CLP Plus by field stripping your firearm and covering the entire firearm inside and out, bore, barrel, everything with the Seal One CLP Plus. You'll see how easy it spreads around. You'll want to wait about 15 to 20 minutes. Then you come back and you want to wipe it all off. So you see how easy it is to put on and remove. And the second reason we say to use a clean firearm is you'll find that it's not clean. We're going to pull out more carbon that's been left behind with whatever product you've been using before. Okay, it takes about three cleanings, so I like to say a clean shoot, clean shoot, clean shoot, just normal usage before the Seal one CLP Plus has removed whatever product that you were using before and has seasoned the firearm. It's kind of like breaking in a cast iron skillet. And after that first cleaning, you will notice a difference. And with each successive cleaning, you will find that it gets easier and easier to clean. Seal 1 CLP Plus is a dry lubricant and is designed to work as such. You will find that malfunctions are virtually eliminated when used properly because the majority of all malfunctions are caused to carbon buildup. And with the Seal 1 CLP Plus, the carbon does not build up. Seal 1 CLP Plus is safe on all metals, plastics, composites polymers rubber wood and leather seal one clp plus is a one and done formulation no other products are required or needed to clean and lubricate and protect your firearm that's why we say seal one and done seal one is a proud sponsor of the talking lead podcast and the leadhead brigade use the code leadhead for a 25 percent off discount
1: Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's pick back up. Let's go ahead and start with our listener questions and that'll get us going and get into, um, hearing more about Neil's experience over in Ukraine. And, uh, I, I didn't make a post this time, but I did do like a little thing before we started recording and it looks like I got uh, some pretty good responses here, uh, from our lead heads. Um... John Adams III asks, any unique firearms being used? How does your experience compare to how the war is being depicted in the media?
2: Okay. <clears throat> Two-part question with vastly different and longer answers. Okay.
1: Um, Let's start with the um, how does your experience compare to how the war is being depicted in the media? So
2: I'll be honest with you. Since I've been home, I try not to watch anything in the media about Ukraine. I just talk to the guys that I've, I've met and, and know out there. Um, I don't trust the media as majority of us don't anymore. Yeah. Um,
1: well, we'll get but, it firsthand from you. So you tell, tell us, you know, what you're seeing there. And I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit as far as the day in and day out, people are just trying to live their lives as normal as possible with, you know, while being bombarded.
2: Yeah. So, so the, so let, yeah, let's start there. That's Thank you. That's a, that's a great segue into this. Um, so, you know, if you're in Kyiv, you know, we talked about that. We, we touched on that briefly. It's, it, like we said, kind of day-to-day life, but obviously some changes. Uh, the farther uh, east you push, the more serious things get um, pretty rapidly as well. Um, it takes, so dri- driving from Kiev to Donetsk, uh, where I was before I came home, took us about 13 hours. Let me pull a map um,
1: up while you're talking about this, and that'll help our video audience um
2: and and this is also we we ukraine works on a different schedule um you know there's there's um you know i need you to be there at 1700 so i need to sp at 09 well in ukraine it's like i need you to be there today or maybe tomorrow and they're like okay so you know you when you travel things go a little a little slower um you, you make stops at these little places and you get chai you get coffee um you get snacks um, we stopped at a place and some random guy just heard us speaking english and saw us in uniforms and bought us a bunch of energy drinks and and protein bars you know like, like i said before about people being being thankful and and, and happy that we're there
1: yeah
2: uh, so yeah if we're looking at this map in kiev uh and if you go west or sorry east to the dnipro river um so a little farther, far, so you've, uh, Korkivka, Belgrode. So if you're looking down in the right-hand corner, uh, the Donetsk. Yep. So that was just outside of there is where I was, um, for the last week of my time there. East and or west of we were surrounded by Russians on all three sides.
1: Oh, in um, Donetsk, you were on all, uh, north, east, and south?
2: Uh, it, it, it's kind of, so it was, we, the, without getting, I, I, you can, ah. so a lot of things I want to talk about, but I, I don't want to do OPSEC problems, Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, but
2: basically there, there's a corridor from, we don't have control, at the, at the time we didn't have control of Donetsk proper, uh, and there's a, basically a channel, um, of Ukrainian, like a finger of Ukrainian power that progresses in there down that freeway, um. I think it's the MD-39, whatever that blue one is right there above to the top left of Donetsk, uh,
1: M-30. M-03 or this one?
2: Uh, That one right there, yeah. Okay. Uh, E-50? In in that area around that freeway is where the Ukrainian military is is pushed into that area. So um, they kind of control along that freeway up to the the northwest and the west control along sou- along <clears throat> south and then east, and then on the west-hand side of the MO3 freeway. So it was always a, a concern of ours that um, middle of the night that they'd get frosty and they would push through these towns um, and they would cut us off. Um, our, our, our nearest major town that we could get to was, was Dnipro. Um, so if you go northwest of there, um, other other direction, it's on the it's on the Dnipro river it's about th- it's about a three hour drive from donetsk okay so it should be the yeah, Dnipro right there so that was like so when when i left ukraine um i, w- I was in the Donetsk region i took a car or we took a boat across the river then we took a car to Dnipro, and i took a train from Dnipro to kiev and then a bus from kiev to warsaw and then a plane from warsaw back to arizona so literally it was Planes, can, planes, trains, cars, boats, airplane. I mean, every every form of transportation outside of a helicopter uh,
1: oh, wow. to get
2: home from there.
1: So, where did you fly into to start? Uh, off?
2: Warsaw, Poland. Okay. Uh, so that would be northwest of uh, of Ukraine. Here's Poland. Right there, in Poland. So, if we fly, we used fly into um, I was there for a couple hours. Met a handler we had there uh and then hopped a bus from Warsaw
1: to Kiev. Oh, how then, long was that uh, drive? <laughs> long. <laughs> yeah, um like a couple of days. Uh yeah, it's, it
2: takes about a day and a half, two days to get there. Um according to my bus fare, you know, you leave um Warsaw at 11:15 p.m. and get in at 3:40 p.m., so and you also cross some time zones, get a couple delays. Um so I think I arrived around 5 p.m. So that was.
1: Uh, oh. And how are people's attitudes in this part of the country further from the, the war? Uh, not
2: that great, uh, because if you look just north of there, there's that big ass Belarus. Yep. And Belarus doesn't like the West um it's a a dictator country that was taken over within the last five years i can't remember the exact date um i met a girl in warsaw her family were uh, political refugees because she was setting up protests against the new dictator and um they were forced to flee
1: Mm.
2: which was that added a whole different thing she called from belarus and i was like oh I'm a refugee. I was like, I thought you were Ukrainian. She's like, no, no, no. And then that led down that road, and I was like, holy shit, the geopolitical things in this area is insane.
1: Um,
2: But there's a bunch of Russian soldiers um, deployed currently in Belarus on that border. Which, if you look at the that little finger that points down, uh, it's really, really close to Kiev. This one. So the. the Yep. So it's the big concern is you have to push through, you know, they can push through there down in Kiev. Now, the big thing that nobody thinks about is the Chernobyl excursion zone is right in between Kiev and there. Ah, because uh, that was one of the things that I wanted to go see while I was there. I was like, can we go? In? I wanted to see the the uh, the Ferris wheel that we all know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently in Ukraine, they're like, why do you go there? That's nothing to do with
1: Chernobyl. It's, it's in all the video oh. games. Come on.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like I, I on, gotta man. go see this. And they're like, "No, you go see, you know, you go see the town, you go see the radar station, this." And I was like, no, "No, I get that. I get that." But my minor my minor call of duty nerd needs to go see this.
1: <laughs> <Right>. Exactly.
2: <laughs> uh so unfortunately, I was unable to do that. That was closed. That whole area is closed to the military now. Yeah. Um But you know, yeah, down here in the, in the south of Belarus, you know, close to Kiev, um Allegedly, there are a bunch of um, Belarusian soldiers stationed there as well as um, Russian. In, in reality, um, they say there's 20,000 Russians there. The Belarusian military is only 60,000 strong. Um,
1: yeah, they're not going to have a third of their army there. They,
2: yeah, there's not, a, there's not a huge threat, but it's a concern, and people don't think about stuff rationally, and they just think about war and... They hear numbers of soldiers in these places, and so they they get they get concerned, which is understandable.
1: Propaganda,
2: yeah, oh yeah, and the propaganda is strong. Um, it's very strong on both sides. I'd say stronger on the the
1: Russian and the Belarus side than the Ukrainian side, but they're definitely yeah. using. Um, is Belarus? Um, are they part of Russia? I mean, it's a whole other country, right? But they they are whole, on a whole other
2: country. Um, it, they're a dictatorship. One of the last remaining
1: dictatorships uh, in
2: Europe. I only know this because of in the last 30 days I had to learn this. <laughs> Is their
1: army part of this as well? Are they supplying soldiers and whatnot? Or are they just um, providing passage?
2: They're providing passage to Russian military. Um, but then you've got to think about um, it's not just them. You've got um, – I'm not sure if you've heard about the Russians are now uh, recruiting um, Afghan special forces. Guys out of Afghan to fight in Ukraine
1: mm.
2: um, because they're being searched by the Taliban. And so they don't want to get caught and have their families killed. So they're providing them amnesty. Um, you got guys coming from Libya. You got guys coming from all over the Middle East now. Um, I haven't heard of confirmed large numbers, but I've definitely seen um, pictures and reports of at
1: least a couple hundred. Mm. So uh, kind of mercenary type.
2: Yeah, it's it's like basically they're they're trying to turn them into like a um, an Arabic Wagner group, but folded into the Russian military. Hmm.
1: All right, so the trip from Warsaw uh, to Kiev, you make that mm-hmm. trip pretty uneventful. Anything anything going on happening during that?
2: Uh, no, just uh, a, a lot of realization of what I was getting myself into. Uh, like I said before, uh, I was the only military-age male on that bus, which I didn't realize until we got to passport control. Um, and I got off the bus because I was a, the one of the last guys on. And um, I looked around and I was like, oh, this is like a bus of like 50 people and I'm one male. I think there was two gentlemen probably in their 80s. And all the rest, women between the age of 21 and 45. Um, and uh, it was it was just very strange to, you know, and also be the tallest one by a full head. You know, none of these women came up past my shoulder. Sure. Um, so I was not, um, if I wanted to blend it in, I would have died. Um, so obviously it's it pretty was, unique. It was a
1: very- it's pretty unique to, to have uh, a Westerner. Travel this route, I guess, because, uh, like you said, you. Uh,
2: it's, it's one of the. It, there's only two routes to get into 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 the country. You've got to either fly into Warsaw and take a bus, or you can take the train. Um, you can also take the train from Romania and Moldova, but those are. Uh, uh, Warsaw is um, like the 90, 90, 90 to ninety five percent of the Westerners uh, will will come to the country that way.
1: Yeah. Uh, and you were the only one on this trip, obviously. Um yes. yeah but you were meeting some people there that were already in country or did some people come after you
2: No I met I met uh, I met my team there there was uh uh three individuals already in Kiev um with you and know, there was supposed to be another one that was supposed to follow two weeks later but he ended up in Africa doing some EOD work and he should be traveling there within the next 90 days or so Yeah
1: I guess for our listeners who aren't familiar with you, didn't listen to the previous episodes that you're on, just kind of give your your background and qualification for why you're doing something like this.
2: Yeah, so I spent six years in the U.S. Army from uh, 2003 to 2009. Um, I was a uh, artilleryman, 13 Bravo Field Artillery. Um, went to some some other schools, did some other jobs, and then uh, when I got out of the military, uh, became a firearms instructor. Uh, and then got back into contract work, military work, um, ended up in Iraq in 2016 fighting ISIS with the uh, Kurdish Meshmerga. Um A lot of people might be familiar with Charles Keating, Navy SEAL, that was killed uh, back in 2016. Uh, he died when our team was overrun. Um, so I, I rock a lot of his gear. They have the C4 Foundation, which I would shamelessly plug at every opportunity that I ever get. Plug it. Uh, plug it. <laughs> so C4 Foundation... Um, those of you that don't know is uh uh the charles keating the fourth we call him chuck heavy he's here from uh, uh phoenix arizona where i live now um a lot of guys that i, I shoot with currently i also shoot competitively um they grew up with him in high school the the foundation has gone from a, a remembrance thing to helping uh the seal families and seals when they come home from their extremely high tempo deployments to reintegrate with society and reintegrate with their families so uh it's located outside of um uh, San Diego, California, and uh, it it allows SEALs when they come home from these, you know, either be it six week or six month appointments to spend time with their families, their fathers, sons, wives, and uh, daughters, uh, and get right and get get back in the right headspace, and, um, and and so that way they can get back to training and not have to worry about the mission here at home. So they're uh, it, it's a it's a pretty big thing that I that I believe in. It's also a 501c3 nonprofit company. Um, so any, if you have any uh, leftover money as a company and you want to uh, find a good place to do a donation, you can write off and not pay taxes on that. This is a great place to send it.
1: So, Very good. And it's c4foundation.org uh, is where you let Ed's can go if you're interested in uh, donating or helping that organization out, which you should. Um, I've got it pulled up for our viewing audience here. and they got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that. You guys can link in from their website. Oh. very cool very cool so talk talk a little bit more about the uh, I guess what you witnessed while you were there uh, as far as the, the civilians and uh, I guess the the conditions that you're seeing there because um, like you said you haven't been watching the news but our listeners will be able to compare what they're hearing versus what you you actually witnessed and and saw there and of course the military we want to you know kind of hear about, I guess there's only so much you can talk about as far as the training and what you were getting into, um, but as far as demeanor of the the military uh, men and women there,
2: Uh so that's very unit, unit specific. Um, I can't go into who specifically we worked with until after the war is over, just based off of OPSEC. And that's going to be I, I, unfortunately a lot of the conversations I have with people. That's kind of where that that oh, direction completely goes. get it. Um, yeah. But the the guys, I I, I but the morale and the and their attitudes and things I can definitely discuss. Um, so some of the top tier units that we've worked with have been phenomenally motivated. Um, they've been well equipped, you know, on par with um, one unit I worked with would be on par with like the FBI HRT, and uh, they are dialed in. They have they have the weapons they need, the ammo they need, night vision, thermals, drones. They got Um, all the cool toys. Accessibility to MLRSs, uh, to uh, um, PyMars, you know, the the new hot topic that that we've got out there. You know, all the way down to uh, some more frontline units that uh, are extremely well motivated. Um, They're not super well trained. And uh, I did run into one of them, uh, one company after they came off the front uh, in Donetsk, and that was an absolute meat grinder and um i've never seen so many dudes um absolutely like world war one level shell shocked of wow. like holy fuck, what just happened um and, and to put that in perspective the unit that i that i met up with uh i was there for a week outside donetsk um the day i got there well so, so we we initially had a training pro- program set into place 48 hours before that i was going to come out and teach their sniper teams uh how to engage targets between zero and a thousand meters and i got there on a monday and the previous sunday they lost 150 guys oh shit. um 50 of those were were killed 100 were wounded um the day i got there that number dropped significantly down to i think it was five or six killed and then um you know, times two twenty you know, times two wounded. And that kind of continued on and, and you know, and so it was it was really hard to work with people in an active war zone that were um actively fighting, but then also um trying to keep the morale and kind of just discuss concepts with them. Um so this, this group that we'd run into, um, you know, we had some some leadership recon and we, we were checking out some some ranges that we could use and came back and these guys just come off the front and um, they were about as demoralized as you could get um, while still being walking functional people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're smoking, they're joking like soldiers do, they're doing the typical stuff, but you can tell that these dudes, I mean, they all got the thousand yards there, they've all got... Um, the hard of hearing, they're all just pale, you know, they're, they're worn out, they're tired.
1: Exhaustion, um,
2: yeah. They, they've just been, they've been through an assault, they've been through a counter-battery of Russian fire, um, they lost an, an untold amount of guys that were with them, and um, I will say that they all, for the most part, they all wanted to come up and say hi to the Americans and shake our hands, which was weird. Uh, because I I haven't been specifically in the mindset that they were in, but I've definitely been through some some severe gunfights and, and and indirect fire that have put me in a different mindset. Um, and these dudes were out of sorts, mm. but they were they they were held together, right? And that's when it comes down to shit like that. Like that's what you need, you know. Um, Eastern Ukraine is a meat grinder. It's an artillery war. And um, as, as a former artillery man, I've used to love pulling the string on one five rounds. I thought it was the fucking biggest, coolest thing in the world you could do. I got a, I'm got shooting 150-pound rocket-assisted, laser-guided <laughs> fucking shells at people, right? Like, this is the coolest things in the world. Until you're on the other fucking side of it. Yeah. And, I, and I, I'll tell you right now, I was only outside of Donetsk for a week. And I have come to realize that artillery is the living personification of hell on Earth. And I wasn't in the trenches. I was a little bit behind the lines with the officers. and I still like it, it well, tr- it they say that's old the PTSD. most
1: that's the most effective part of the, you know, the shelling is is the psychological effect that it has, and that's why they they do it
2: you if you crush somebody with artillery and then you and then you roll with drones and they drop these you know hand grenades or 40 millimeter um vog grenades that's a really 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 effective way to suppress depress and then kill your enemy like it is and, and, and both sides are using it don't get me wrong like it's
1: yeah
2: it, it, it just the time that i spent there like definitely like watching these guys and then and then living through it for on a on a fractional scale of what they've dealt with like a hard pass every time
0: for, for those that are unfamiliar with this shell shocked phenomenon. Um, it's hard to understand the severity of the neurological damage that these guys are getting hit with. And there are videos that you can find on YouTube that you do not want your kids seeing, or probably your loved ones of world war one vets, you know, years later. And, uh, Jocko has done some, uh, segments on his podcast describing it at length. And, um, it is truly horrific. Like guys that lose, basically they lose a lot of, um, muscles that were voluntary become involuntary. So like their jaws stop working and stuff. And it's worth watching because our tax dollars pay for this stuff. And uh it's it's important for us to know what's going on in our name.
2: Good point. But on that same note, things like HIMARS. I I mean they can't see me in the video but I got hands raised oh, in let, Jesus. Like that, me, that shit is phenomenal.
1: <laughs> so explain explain the HIMAR to our to our listeners.
2: So I'm I'm not a huge HIMARS um aficionado. I just, I just watched it work and thought it was the coolest shit I've ever seen in my life. Um, the U.S. Marine Corps uses it. I think we've got about two, maybe 300 of these vehicles. Um, so in the field artillery world, normally, you know, depending on guided missiles, unguided stuff, things like that, you can fire. you got MLRSs and you got 155 howitzers. I was on an hundred and nine or Alpha 6 Paladin when I was in the Army, and this was, I, I would have my 20-year retirement next month. So just, Let's age ourselves real quick here. <laughs> um, our our effective, you know, combat effective range was like, I think it was between 20 and 50 meters of our target. Hi Mars will put it through a fucking window. Oh, wow. And that is insane. Like, they have the programs that I saw that how they, they do this. I'm not allowed to talk about it, I don't think. So I'm going to just stop that. But let's just say that there's a really, really cool way that they can. Take these trucks and shoot these missiles a long way, and put it literally through. Here's a house. Here's the west side. There's four windows on the west side of this house. We're firing from the westwardly direction. Which window would you like me to put this rocket through?
1: Is that accurate?
2: That is awesome. It is so cool. And there are allegedly ten of these units. These trucks, not even units. These there's ten of these trucks in Ukraine and they've 100% allocated this vehicle and this weapon system to changing the entire war and how things have been fought.
1: And do the Russians have
2: these? We have over 200 in the U.S. inventory, just
1: perspective. The the Russians don't have anything like this.
2: They have something like it, but it doesn't do what it does. I mean, basically, it's a a grad, but it's an extremely highly and accurate grad that – you can shoot one thing through a window whereas a grad goes let's just eliminate that entire grid square of a thousand meter area
1: right
0: they're they're pretty cool so uh neil one in my prior life i designed electronics and and uh worked in some funny areas due to understanding physics which is my actual training and um somebody came to us in 2018 who was uh representing the saudis and they were having a major problem with the iranian drones that they had given the houthis in yemen Mm -hmm. and uh, it's called the ababil and um it's like fiberglass it has nothing for a radar signature and it has like hobby king drone components chinese stuff that works very very well like insanely well and they cost about five dollars to make as I say, they have almost no radar signature, and they had flown one in the front door of uh, one of the airports in Saudi. And they had also taken out a bunch of oil refineries. And you won't hear about it at all because the Saudis don't want it talked about because obvious reasons. And uh, I had seen that um, Iranian drones were showing up on the Russian side in Ukraine. And I'm wondering if you tangled with any of those or saw the damage of them. And I know they're not a super high yield explosive, but it sounded like bang for the buck style. They were really, really, really good. And I'm wondering if you had any experience with them, if you could speak to the foreign, I think there's a few different foreign weapons systems that have been brought in like, I think maybe the Turks were bringing some stuff in. and But specifically, if you saw the Ababiles, I'd be curious to know what your opinion was. Um, yes. Yeah, so, we...
2: And so, by experience, I mean um, heard air raid sirens jumped into trenches or bunkers, waited for air raid sirens to go away. Um, and I one time, I saw a drone fly over our house, one of the, the suicide drones, the Iranian ones. I think it was the... I don't know if the, the 130 or 160 is the number nomenclature they're using
0: let me give a look uh, real quick here keep talking sorry our,
2: yeah so our the our house was um how do i describe this yeah so it, it was on it was it was on the approach path for not the cruise missiles but for the the iranian drones that they would drop um i saw some houses in Kyiv that have been hit by them um small apartment buildings um It'd be pretty substantial damage i think there were a thousand kilogram warheads on those oh, things wow. um so i mean it's not i mean it's not huge the whole the whole building's not blown up but they, the whole thing you know the facades jacked up and and people have have lost their lives um so i mean it's it's it, they're effective um but they're not they're not super effective um they'll fire um x amount at a target. Eighty percent of those get shot down by air defenses. But then, even the ones that make it through, I think they're landing within like one or two hundred meters of their targets. They're not like if you want to hit a dam, um, and you, and you're you know, let's say the dam is this, and you're aiming at this access, then you've got a pretty good left to right spread. But your your front and back is going to be jacked up. Whereas with the the buildings, you know, they they're we'll target here, and they can just hit the entire facade. Because mm-hmm. they're they're the old Soviet blocks, so they're tall and long,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and they've they've very rarely not gone off. Um, mm. So they're they're cheap, they're, they're effective, they're not super accurate. But the thing is, is that the, the targets the Russians are are going after right now are not military targets. They they tried that at the beginning of the war, they failed. Um, now. Their idea is um, we can terrorize the civilian population. So right now it's water and uh, power. Um, so right after I left, actually, um, they started doing. They, initially, while I was there, it was between two to four hour blackouts. They were running blackouts through Kiev. Um, now they're eight to twelve. Oh wow! Living so they've the, the Ukrainian power system is down to thirty percent. I think thirty eight percent is what I read in the news. Um. So they're now it's to the point of, can I keep my people warm and can I pe- keep the lights on?
0: Mm-hmm. So I saw they were targeting, um, this is not when they were shelling Chernobyl, but there's some other nuke plant in Ukraine that was under shelling fire reported by MSM. I'm wondering if, if you can speak to what the, you know, generally speaking, how power is made in Ukraine. And, and I know that, I'm asking like a foreign policy question. So if you don't know, no sweat, but like, it strikes me as really friggin' sketchy to be shelling anywhere near a nuke plant. And, uh, the Russians seem to be either, the Russians are very comfortable with it or the Western media is, is trumping it up as much as they can.
1: So,
2: um, I remember the, the, the nuke plant that you're talking about and lefty, if you want to hop on Google maps, um, and and i'm sure you just if you can google like ukraine power plant under shelling or or something like that um if i remember correctly that plant was relatively close to donetsk um because there was there was conversations about that and if i also remember correctly within the last two weeks that has been taken back over by the ukrainian military i believe um i think um, but f- from my understanding, the Ukrainian power um, grid is powered by uh, nuclear and hydroelectric. Those are the two big... Because you got the Dnipro River, you've got the... Um, oh, not Volvo Grad. Where is it Volvo Grad? Now I'm pulling my map up. Um, which also, by the way, weird weird fun fact when I look this up. Um, Ukraine... Uh, <laughs> Talks about left and right sides of rivers by the direction of flow, not by the north-south compass that we know of is on the western side. Um, there you go. Uh, where it says Eno, Eno, uh, Inner Holder.
0: Yep, yeah, and then go north now.
1: Oh, right here. Yep, okay. right there. Got
0: you. Uh, right about there. Right about where your mouse is right now. That's
2: where that um, that nuclear power plant that's been shelled is, has been at. At least, according to my my Google Maps, which could be completely wrong. I was never I never went to that area. Um, but the uh, but going back to Brian, your question about power supply um, is it's all hydroelectric and and nuclear as far as I've seen, and then they also import um, liquid natural gas uh, initially from Russia and now uh, from Poland and Germany, if I remember correctly.
0: Lol. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so the listener questions mainly are about the firearms and, and whatnot that you encountered there. Um, Brian, do you have some more questions about the? Wait, uh, hold on. So
2: yeah, we, before we before we touch back with Brian, the initial question you asked me that that speaked off this this whole fifty second tangent. <laughs> um, was, were there any unique firearms that we that I worked with? The answer is yes. Um, there was a super cool bull pup AK-74 that I sent you a picture
1: of. Yes, yeah, you did.
2: Yeah. Uh, that I, I found. I was like, oh my God, I know who the fuck needs to see this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I was pleased to get that. Yeah. As well oh, as the it. ones
2: I know that there's a bunch of other craft made, um, you know, 12.5, 12.7 anti-material rifles out there. But the cool ones that I saw um, were the, it's called a UAR-10 or sorry, UR-10. It is a uh, a Ukrainian um, made AR-10 almost like M110 style rifle without the um, reflexive suppressor. It has a more of a direct attach. It's got a, the ones we worked with had Luth-AR stocks, um, they were running uh, Leopold Mark IV 10Xs. Yep, just like those guys. Yeah. This one. Um, yep, they're pretty. They're pretty cool. Um, made rifles. I mean, it's an AR-10 that we're all used to. Yeah. Uh, they had the. BN- Go ahead.
1: No, I was gonna say yeah. I mean, it's it looks like an AR-10. Yeah. Um, and those, those
2: those were those are capable of sub MOA accuracy with uh, Hornady and and G and G um, and. S and B, you know your typical match match ammunition, mm-hmm. and then we had a um, a super cool uh, B and I'm trying to remember the exact model, the exact model of it.
1: Give me the model of uh bullpup again. I'll pull it up.
2: Uh, the bullpup was a. Uh, somebody actually told me the company that made that chassis. Um, let's see,
1: it's. Uh, it's gonna blow Brian's brain. And it was actually it was super well balanced. Um,
2: was it was was a
0: Malmet, was it? The chassis? Oh, it was it was
2: it was an AK seventy four in a locally made um, Ukrainian chassis. Um nice. Because I sent it to a guy and he was like he he does all the um, you know, local war zone kind of uh Firearms. And uh, I was like, hey, man, check this out. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I've seen those before. And I was like, wait, what? These are normal? He's like, yeah, those are Ukrainian. I was like,
1: oh, shit, that's cool. Um, I can't find the picture that you sent me, but. Do uh, um, you want me to send it to you again? Put Can you, you can you put it in this chat? That way I can pull uh, it up. Not from my phone because I'm on my computer. Oh, you're on your computer? Okay. Uh, yeah, email it uh, to me and then I'll pull it up
2: or I can you want me to shoot you suit you on Instagram?
1: Uh yeah, do it on Instagram. I can I can okay. do that on here too. Let me quit sharing cuz there's no telling what's uh, on my Instagram messages here. Right, I was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh got a couple so that in there.
2: I sent those three
1: there. Um Okay. Cool. Yeah, let me pull this up. Yeah, this is yeah, this I'm is the I'm seeing
0: awesome. the Maliuk is the name of their indigenous bullpup rifle.
2: So I would look for one of those because I've heard about those, and they they those are the ones that initially you know apparently allegedly um issued only their SF guys, and I did not see one of those. Okay. So this is this chassis system here is a UK- is a local Ukrainian designed one.
1: Check it out, Brian. Uh let's see here. It's like steampunk oh, wow. steampunk. <laughs> oh yeah, how
0: heavy was that?
2: Not terrible. Like it was lighter than the lighter than the, the bullpup I built in seven six two, for sure. Wow, that's very cool.
1: Because I mean, it looks all metal. Everything looks. metal oh, it was
2: it whole, the whole thing's metal. I think there's there was like two pieces of polymer on it. Maybe like the grip, the that forward grip, uh, and then the ch- cheekrest. I think was all that was polymer.
1: I mean that even looks and, metal, but that was polymer, the grip.
2: Yeah, the grip was. And okay. it weirdly enough, the trigger pull on that was not trash. Really? Yeah. I was like, um <clears throat> I'm sorry. These are not supposed to feel this nice, and I don't know what to do with myself right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was just very uncomfortable being like
0: I don't know what you guys did, but
1: And it's a seventy it's a it's a seventy-four model then. Nice. Yep.
0: I love what they did with the trigger guard. They said, fuck it. We'll leave it in there. It's fine. (laughs) No, the, uh, the rear trigger guard is still installed and it's just shrouded. Yep.
1: Oh, right here.
0: Yeah. Right there. It's awesome. Yeah. I am impressed. I am really impressed because I'm, I'm doing a homebrew one right now for, uh, our friend Nils. And uh, it's it's taken over a year because I yeah I'm mortified. By Don't the let
1: him see this one. Don't show Nils this. Don't let one. him
0: see it. Yeah, definitely. Uh-uh. So this is
2: a uh, it's a it's a Ukrainian produced BS three chassis manufi- manufactured by Black Storm. Huh. Is the full the full thing? Also, uh, Brian, have you I learned about have you heard of a company called Crook of Ukraine? No, I haven't. So they're a, a local AK manufacturer. They're like the Zenitko, but for Ukraine. Oh, excellent!
1: What are they called? Uh,
2: uh called Kruk, Crook, C R O O K. But they're they're actually because of course Cyrillic is a thing. Um, they're actually spelt. It's a Ukrainian. It comes
0: camp? up on a Google search. There's a firearm blog review of it, um, of their handguard anyway. Oh, and it's. It, an American would say that their name is K P Y K. Yeah, but in, in Ukrainian, it's crook. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Like yeah, one yeah. thing that that made it way easier for me to look at Cyrillic is to understand that it's just the Greek alphabet. Like the Greek rho is a p, but it's pronounced rho, and that's that's the the, huh. the p that's in the K, in crook is pronounced. It's just the old Greek. And so Cyrillic, yeah. like you'll see pi in there, like if you if you overlay a Cyrillic and a Greek, Greek alphabet, you're like, oh, I understand all this. And then um, Hebrew actually has a bunch of tie-ins as well, ancient Hebrew, and it's really interesting to watch how these alphabets spread. Like we use, um, you know, we use an Arabic numbers but not arabic letters and it just you can sort of watch the movement of civilization through the alphabets it's super neat
1: it's kpyk is that the one
2: yep yeah that's the one so i i bring that up because they were so they're they're becoming the new um zeniko for uh for ukraine and for the western world apparently and they're not doing any exports outside of ukraine because currently they're focused on um arming Local Ukrainian forces because they do um, yeah. stocks and forens
0: and the same kind of stuff for. Check for out the, AK. the chassis
1: they've got for the Mosin Nagant.
0: Don't I say it, it, Marty. Don't say it. I love it. <laughs> <Just>
1: <laughs> I love don't,
0: it. don't.
1: <laughs> what?
2: So I guess they they started doing that, but they're they're um they were doing um stuff for the seventy fours and forty sevens now that are pretty cool. Um, so talking about, you know, specialized weapons. So a lot, a lot of guys I saw had their um, their equipment on them. And then uh, the BNT APR 338. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that bolt-action. Oh. Uh, it's a 338 Lapua Magnum, 27-inch, heavy-hitting, phenomenal rifle. It's
1: called um, BNPR? Say again? BNPR, what's it called?
0: B. It's a
2: BNT APR 338.
0: See that. yeah that has all the things the cantilevered uh bipod and folding stock and mm, a lot of really neat stuff so you were impressed so with the this? accuracy
2: they had those with uh suppressors and um night force optics and they were heavy as shit but man those things and those guys can shoot with those things is um, this it, and yeah. it has, yep that thing yep
1: oh wow yeah nice and, and yeah 338 Lapua. APR you know, they're, 308. They're pretty solid. APR 338. Long range precision.
0: So if you Switzerland. could
1: have Switzerland.
0: Neil one anti materiel gun that was civilian purchasable, what would you get? So Who's buying it?
1: Money Let's be damned, laws be let- damned.
0: Okay, let's do one for ballers on a budget, let's say under six grand, and then another one under twelve grand.
2: Okay. Um,
0: if I had to purchase
2: one, so I'll do that as a, on the ballers on my budget. Um, I would do is it the Barrett MRAD that has the swappability between the three oh eight and three three eight?
0: I don't know. Let's find out.
2: Here we go. One, that of, was
0: part one of, it of our was units like, Good, sorry.
2: Had, one of these units had one of these and they were they were swappable
1: between um, You could change the barrel out?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. MRAT twenty two. It swaps between three three Norma Mag and seven six two fifty one NATO. Right. Um one of the units I worked with had these and they were freaking awesome. Um, guns are super accurate. Um Ammunition obviously would be expensive on the civilian side, but jumping between those two calibers, um, mm-hmm. I think, it's a phenomenal, yeah, ability. Uh, if there was no limit, they're running these new um, twelve-seven. So they have they have the they they also have the Barrett M eighty-two and M one hundred sevens, but they also have this craft produced. Um, it's almost a twenty mic mic. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, please continue. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. And you're like, ooh, we can do what now? Um, I think I, I think it's a twenty millimeter, but I'm not sure the metric conversion. Um, twelve. I want to say it's twelve seven, but twelve seven is not twenty. That's mil. fifty cal, uh, and it's got these. It's it was bigger than fifty, uh, and it's got these struts on the 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 top and bottom um and i don't i I never got the name of it i saw it once briefly and i didn't want to pick it up because it looked like it weighed 60 pounds um
0: well that's probably the right weight you know like recoil management on those uh becomes a very 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 real thing um yeah yeah yeah, I've lusted after a Solothurn for nostalgic reasons for a really long time. And uh, said so the modern equivalent of that, mmm, yeah, that'd be tasty.
1: Yeah. What's it called? <laughs> Super
0: spicy. <laughs>
1: What's it called? I'll look it up here. What's it called?
0: Oh, a Solothurn? S O L O T H U R N? Solothurn or
2: one of those, those Finnish Lotties?
0: Yeah, yeah, nice they're too. kind of the same thing in some sense. Yeah. A, you pure us out. Yeah, you're going to need to t- put in anti-tank gun, Marty, because it's also a city. Yep, that first hit. Yep, right there. Yeah.
4: Holy yeah, cow. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: there, there's a good picture of what That's a, a solid. Shoulder shouldered one. howitzer. I mean, it's like, buddy Ian for Forgotten Weapons. <laughs> yeah, totally. Of course it would be Ian behind the gun of course uh, uh, i was supposed to do
2: another interview with him uh in a couple weeks
0: well i'd love for you to ask him how that how he likes that sucker um the lobby um, uh also it i think it's l-a-h-t-i is another one to search Lati. yep that yeah. neil was mentioning yep so they shoot the same
2: bullet size but the ca- I think the case Dimensions are slightly different. It's like a 300 Whisper versus a 300 Blackout, but on a very larger scale.
1: Top fed.
2: And you, I don't know how much they are now. Those things used to be like $12,000, and
0: that's it. Yeah, and you used to be able to... I've seen um, NRA advertisements for like... There's a book that everybody should read called Unintended Consequences. And uh, it's really, really important to read. I'm not going to say anything more about it than that. Um, but... Other than to say that they're in that, they both of these guns make appearances in that novel, and there are uh, like surplus weapon advertisements pasted in along with the text (laughs) for one of these for like 250 bucks in the U.S. in the 50s or 60s. Yeah, which 250, 250 dollars back in the day was real money. That said, if I could time travel to any place in time in some sense, it would be good to go back to the 50s to get a few of these. <laughs>
1: no doubt. Yeah, uh, those things are wicked. Look, they even got them yeah, on there. So air. Neil
0: was talking about 20 Mike Mike, and these are the kind of the old school 20 Mike Mike guns.
1: Yeah, look at the sled they've got on that one. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and
2: and all, all, honestly, like the the new ones they're using. Uh, it looks like a cross between like one of these and like do you remember the Walther 2000s? No, but yeah. we can look that the, up. I think there's
1: a three hundred
2: yeah. Wind Mag, um semi-auto Micro sniper rifle. rifle. It was they they were not a commercial success. They 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 hit um cultural knowledge through the uh the Hitman video game series. Mm. Is
1: this the one you're talking about?
2: So, yeah, it, it it looks a lot like that, but in twenty millimeter. So it's like the size of the other gun, but looks similar to that one. Neat. The guns on they're yeah, they're super
4: cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, I believe that the feds don't let civilians own these anymore. You need like a a destructive device license or something to own one. But oh, yeah.
2: uh, no, these ones are still good because these are th- I think these are three hundred Win Mag.
0: Oh yeah, not um, sorry, they're not just Walther two thousand. Yeah. I mean the twenty mic mic stuff. It's not. Yeah,
1: they're all destructive. devices. It's just now. go and get one, yeah. So let's do this. Um, yeah, uh, real quick because a lot of a lot of the uh, listeners just the different weapons that you uh, encountered while you are there—rifles, uh, the small arms stuff—I think is is uh, what they're mostly interested in. Talk about some of those okay. that um, yeah that you encountered.
2: Yeah. So we um, the. One of the units I worked with, uh, one of the special, special Forces units I worked with was a uh, National Guard unit. Um, so they, these are the guys that have all these super high-speed, super cool weapons, but they also have max machine guns. So
0: that's, uh, that, that's strange. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, do you, you know, have a question from a uh, friend of the show, FPS Murdoch, uh, said the, he had seen pics of the STG-44 in action. And I'll just read it here. Ask him what's the weirdest shit he's seen over there. Apparently, it's a fucking mixture. Makes you wonder where that $90 billion went. Um, so we can hold the $90 billion at the end unless you feel like talking about that.
1: I was going to make a comment on that because I did some uh, research prior to. You know, he's talking about where the, all the money went. Uh, and Zelensky, before he took office, I think his net worth was like $1.5 million. Um, if you look at what his worth is now... And I think I was reading it in Forbes or something. Uh, yeah, exponentially. They're saying he's not a billionaire. He doesn't show up on their billionaire list, but he's like something like thirty million. And then they go and they start showing all these houses and everything that he owns and all these other, this other uh, assets, which are way more than thirty million. Yeah,
0: the FTX thing apparently ties in. You know this this uh, Bitcoin knockoff. Company with it had an investment wing as well. Apparently, a lot of money went through FTX and back to the DNC. So it'll, yeah. I have a I have a hard time believing that Zelensky will retain that wealth through a couple decades. Um, yeah. I think it's going to get weird for him.
1: So there was a question said, so "Did Neil bring back any FTX cryptocurrency?" <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I brought back my currency and. Um... AK-12 mags and some uh, Tula plums that we pulled off some guys that didn't need them anymore.
1: Oh, sweet. You got to bring Righteous. those back.
2: Righteous. Yeah. Brian, Brian, you should look for something in the mail within the next 60 days. Oh, bless Our, you, sir. Bless you.
1: I'll give you yeah, my address, sir. too. <laughs> <laughs> I like I you, like this. You gotta
0: sling Neil some sights like I did earlier. Oh well, I'll sling I, I, I'll sling, sling Neil some stuff. Help.
1: Don't worry. I'll sling him some it's, love. Uh,
0: Calumet, you know, Calumet City, Calumet High School mags. Those those'll those will trade for AK twelve mags real easy. Um oh but uh, did you see what was the weirdest gun you saw? And I, I think you've probably already mentioned it with the uh maybe most steampunk weirdest like, not the bullpup, because the bullpup's in a land of its own.
2: Yeah, I mean, so, um, the weirdest gun I saw and the weirdest gun in context are two entirely different conversations, right? So, uh, the weirdest gun I saw was the bullpup 74 because, I, I mean, I, I thought that was very normal because I I like doing shit that makes the internet mad. Um, apparently people in the war zones like doing that because it's better, um, but th- honestly, the, the strangest thing I saw um, in context was a Maxim, like, like OD Green Maxim Soviet 762 by 54 water-cooled with the sled machine gun. Oh, yeah. not, not, not issued to normal troops. This was the Special Forces Battalion's medium oh. machine gun. Not a PKM, not a PKT. Not a GPM, were not an Were there
1: multiples, or was there just one?
0: There was four of them. Ah. Well, you know, I got a wonder. brand fucking new. Brand new. <laughs> Amazing. I got a wonder with the water cooling on the barrel. Like, we've been tossing that around, because we've got an RPK here. And uh, we've been talking about making basically like a canoe that sits in there to cool the barrel. And um, man, for high volumes of fire, like nothing sinks heat like water. Like water is a magical compound that we totally take for granted in a way that I'm very offended by. Um, (laughs) But there's this crazy, you know, we all know that it takes a while to heat up water, but not that many people know about what's called the latent heat of fusion of water, which is the well, there's two, there's the line, you can have 32 degree water, and then 32 degree ice, that energy that's required to turn water from liquid to solid is enormous compared with its heat capacity. The other one that's enormous is going from liquid to steam. And so when you can fill a machine gun, you know, outer, you know, make a condom for a machine gun barrel and fill it full of water, that is like, the best heat sinking you can get on the planet. It's, it's really a beautiful synergy between different physical properties. And so I, these guys might be crazy like a Fox using these old maxims. I don't know. Never run one.
1: This is why we like having you on the show, Brian. I love that. <laughs> this is well, awesome. I'm here for the, <laughs> so um, here's the science section. <laughs> yeah. Corey Goff ask, um, I would like to know if he witnessed more AK seventy four or AK forty seven caliber while there. Were there many Western pattern rifles like the M4, MCX, etc.? Optics and lights on AK pattern rifles he saw used while training. Thank you for your time. Looking forward to the episode while I work my vampire shift tonight, Corey Goff. Thanks, Corey.
2: Well, thank you for working the night shift, brother, because that shit sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and um so, uh, hands down, more 74s and 47s, like, by astronomical numbers, like, 98 to 2%. Um, a, a surprising large number of AK-74Us or SUs or whatever you call, like, whatever the, the official term for a crank is, um, there's a shit ton of those. Um, a lot of those ring.
0: Yeah, sorry, AKSU is what you were searching for there.
2: Um so they were a bunch of those. Uh, a lot of those were in the border guards and police hands. Um majority of those well, not a majority. A lot of them were, were standard issued. Um a lot of the ones on the front lines are suppressed. Going back to the seven standard 74s, uh depending on the unit, um some units had a phenomenal rip-off of the Mepro light, Um I don't remember the the number. The one they use for the um, the Tavor's, okay, those, those kind of square EOTech looking things. Yeah, um, Ukraine is has created a a, a local version of that. Um, pick rails suppressors are not. I mean, I'd say guys are forty percent suppressed uh, for the common dude. Righteous. Um.
1: Which um, you know what cans they're using?
2: Uh, local, locally produced uh, for the most part, because cans in Ukraine are like cans anywhere else in Europe that they don't require anything. It's if you don't have a can, you're an asshole. Is <laughs> how they, they view the shooting community, which how yeah. it should here, as we all know. Yeah,
1: because
2: yeah. hearing protection is not just earmuffs. Um It just so happens though that they made these cans full auto rated
0: before the war. So righteous. <laughs> um, there were now, a were these, from, Sorry right? to cut you off, Neil. Uh, were these like the washer, the stacked washer and bushing style, or spot welded washing and, and washer and sort of sheet metal the way the Russian stuff is, or was it more like American style cans with the uh, baffles and you know sort of swoopy funnel inverted funnel shapes?
2: <laughs> no idea.
0: Fair. Uh, fair. I know
2: they. I know they worked well. Uh, Well enough to be impressed because if at first like they had spray paint jobs on them and I was just like that ain't gonna spray shit like that looks like a that looks like a a form one garage trash can. Come to find out they were pretty nice, Um, so I don't know what their baffle technology is. I don't know what they're doing. Um, The only thing I can tell you about is they're they are pretty large in diameter. They're not large enough to cover the front sight or even the bottom of the front sight that you would see through an AK. Um, They are. Uh, for the most part, they have a little serration on the front end, I think for glass breaking is the idea, but not all of them have that. Uh, but on the rear end, they have the, the sawtooth twist on. Yep, yep. And um, they were effective. There's enough of them out there that they're going to continue to be effective even when they get worn out. I don't know how long they last. Like I know nothing about any of that, but there's big thumbs up for me on those.
0: Uh, yeah, the, the thing that was really noteworthy that you mentioned is the diameter with volume. You can make a lot of shit work really, really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the old Soviet designs literally look like, uh, fender washers, you know, the big fat washers with the little hole, those mm-hmm. welded in at, at alternating 45s, um, along a little, you know, couple pieces of metal, strips of metal at the top and bottom. And, uh, you can, when those wore out, you can just chuck a new core in and i wonder if that's what they're doing but awesome thanks for the for the uh that's a lot of information you gave
1: all right Next.
2: So the other thing that too is i think there are they are doing better stuff than that though because there's a company that we talked to because we ran m14s with our unit um at least the westerners did and um there's a company there that makes specific cans for specific guns um in in ukraine proper i never got a a chance to get a hold of their 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 cans but they are known on youtube they're known on instagram i can't remember their names and if i if i can i'll, I'll you know shoot you a link or a, a sweet
4: something. sweet uh,
2: but they're 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 definitely more advanced than just some dead space i think very cool uh
1: edward tongue for twist and ask how safe did you feel Uh, We kind of touched on that um, while you were going around town there, but maybe outside the perimeter. Uh, How much security did you need? Did you bring American bodyguards? Would you go back? Did you feel like you accomplished your goal with training them? Did the soldiers say how they felt about the war?
2: Could we break that into a couple different?
1: Yeah, so um, let's let's go back to the, the how safe did you feel. Uh, we talked about in-city, in, in city. what about outside when you were leaving the perimeter? Um,
2: pretty safe. I mean, you, you see leaving a perimeter, that's like you know, our perimeter of our house, you know, where, where we are today or where you are. That was the perimeter we had. You know, we're, we're, we're fenced in on our, our house in Kyiv. We go, we go train, we come back, that's our area. If you go to the front, then obviously that expands and that changes. Um, And I still, with every Ukrainian soldier that I worked with or spent time with, I I, I felt 100% safe. Absolutely. Um, No question about it. Um, When things went sideways and we started getting incoming or we'd get into a gunfight and um, they weren't around to either translate or tell me what the fuck was going on, I felt very unsafe. Um, But... When they're there to be like, "Hey, like we gotta go," you're like, "All right, cool. Like we gotta go," because I know that you're taking care of me. Because I know they know that I know that if an American gets hurt in a, in an area that we're not supposed to really be in, they get in a shit ton of trouble. So their utmost priority is to make sure that we're safe, and then they're safe second.
1: Got gotcha. you. Uh, sense and. I wouldn't think that you had any bodyguards or security or anything like that, other than yeah. maybe the people that were assigned to you, like you just said, to translate and yeah, and keep you going in the right direction. Um, yeah. did you feel that you accomplished your goal with training them? Yes,
2: hundred percent. Like, so we had a um, cool anecdotal story after our screening with. Uh, the SF unit. They took us all to this fantastic restaurant. We had the best ribs I've ever had in my life. We, I think we drank like five or six bottles of whiskey. One of the guys, <laughs> hey, do you like moonshine? And I was like, I love moonshine. The Ukrainian moonshine? He goes, yeah, yeah. I'll be right back. I'll just do an interpreter. He, he, he fucks off for like a half hour, comes back with this big-ass two-liter bottle of, looks like water. It's fucking not. And
1: best shine, first yeah.
2: shots, and we're just drinking ukrainian moonshine and have a good time you know we're we're they gave me a a plaque and a flag There, you know the guys are signing the flag i'm taking pictures with them like we're that's it's a it's a pre-deployment party like you would think back in like way back in the day you know, we haven't had that since the g watt but you know it, it in um what was the movie um we were soldiers um remember the scene when they all get deployment orders and they go get your dresses on we're going to war and like the wives had to like put the face on and like go do the the party before the guys went out to vietnam like that's what this was for them and their families um so it was super cool to see like how they
1: how they got ready to go out and yeah um did the soldiers say how they felt about the war? Did you get any feedback on their feelings of why they're
2: fighting? Yes, this? they 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 feel like they're very they're going to win. Uh lots of things I can tell you outside of recording, <laughs> but okay, they yeah. feel like they're going to win, and um, they're willing to do what it takes to do that.
1: So they're a hundred percent behind this.
2: They're, it's it, to them, it's a, it's it's an unprovoked war of aggression, and they're protecting their homes and their families, and
1: uh, they're that's dialed the, in. That's the way they're approaching it. it. Yeah. yeah, very good. Um, I don't think there's really any other questions other than just firearm. I mean, obviously, you know, we're a firearm show, and people love to hear about guns yes. and things that go bang. Um, as far as you personally. Uh, and your in your mission there, going into it and then coming out, did you have any different perspective or mindset as to one the reason why you were going there in the first place, and then uh, and then on your return, reflecting back, did anything change as far as your perspective on it?
2: Um, yes and no, I guess. Um, why I went, solid, good to go, no no question about that. Um, being there though, like. It it it's a real war, you know. It's not a. Um, you read it. On, you read about on the internet. You watch things on TV, um, but it's it's a real war. Like, and I never, I I never experienced this before. This is a new experience for me. Even with all my time in combat, in in the wars that I've I've fought in, um, when you hit an actual meat grinder, it is the definition of that word, and. Um, it's it's something that you know it, as a as a, uh, as a society i wish we could stop doing these things to each other um i'm a big fan of like shooting people in the face like i see you you see me i get the step on you and, and i can kill you before you kill me and, and, and there's a respect in a, a warfare level of that that is important um whereas mortars artillery drones suicide bombs these kind of things like it's a it's a who
1: it may concern you know and um how's the the air force coming into play i mean is there any air warfare going on
2: there is it's touch and go
1: you don't Um, hear much about that
2: the, the ukrainian the ukrainian air force i never saw any of um It's more so the Russian military is afraid of the Ukrainian Air Defense Forces, as they rightly should be, because they're smoking the fuck out of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But at the same time, though, they're not. You know, there was a moment, and I have on video, um, we were at a training site doing our jobs. And all of a sudden, it was like, hey, two Russian um, helicopters are on their way. We got to get the fuck out of here. And I was like, "Okay," like I say. Packed up all our shit, and we're out within, you know, three minutes. Uh, and, like, on the way out, I'm in the back of this, like, cargo truck, like civilian cargo truck. And I'm like, well, okay. So two Russian, I think they're called alligators, The those weird counter-rotating um, rotary attack helicopters they have. Like, we heard that two of those were on their way to us because we'd seen them in the distance. And apparently they spotted us, and so we get the fuck out of here. And I was like, well... This is happening. We gotta go, and the truck (laughs) stalled in the mud because it's starting to get like... and I was like, or maybe not. This might be the last video I ever take. Like, shit. Um, So the threat is extremely real, but the the actuality of it's pretty low Um, because I I don't know anything about aviation. That's not my strong point, but. From my understanding, if those guys had pushed towards where we were, they were enough Sams between us and them that they would have not made it.
1: Gotcha. But the guys
2: that we were with had enough wherewithal to be extremely concerned about our safety, and we're like, "Go, we got to go now!" Like, I'm talking like mid-lesson. Hey, so like this is how you clear a corner. We got to go. I was like, "I'm sorry, what?" And they were like, "No, no, we're loading the truck right now." Gotcha.
1: So. And um, what's one of the biggest myths about uh, maybe the war or something that's going on over there that you'd like to dispel? Well, the one that initially comes to mind is the Russian propaganda bullshit. Like, Oh, we're here
2: to, we're over there. The Nazi takeover of Ukraine. Like there's some right wing people here or there. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like there's, there's fewer there than there are here in the U S let's put it that way. Hmm. Like it's not that big of a, like a thing. Um, and i don't know if this kind of goes along the line with that but like the the whole idea that russia keeps pushing the narrative and they change it like oh this doesn't work then this doesn't work then this doesn't work then this doesn't work and this doesn't work to justify what they're doing and the ukrainian people are sitting there the whole time going we just don't want to get killed like that's i mean that's fundamentally the whole thing it's um, so like just you you don't don't read in the propaganda from either side everybody always pushes pushes something
4: mm-hmm. but
2: you know i've i've watched i've watched family members and listen and have translated phone calls while i was sitting there of people who live in russia and their sons and their daughters or their mothers from ukraine conversing about the justification of what's going on and they immediate family members can't even delineate and convince their own people about why they're doing what they're doing you know people in russia oh you guys are doing this this is so fucked up this is-. no mom like this is what's happening these are what we're seeing this is this is what's going on i don't believe that at all that's just erroneous you know there, there's no way that could be happening the russian people are here to liberate these people they're doing this or with fathers and sons and um you know, it's it. The Ukrainian people that I've that I've seen, at least interacted with, just want to go back to a normal life that we have here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. They had it before, and they want it again. And until the war is over, they can't.
0: Well, you know the it's it's pretty easy for me to understand that level of disconnect um, culturally between the. You know two families because certainly we see a lot like moscow mimics uh the national demographics by which i mean it's almost dead nuts down the middle liberal versus conservative and urban versus agrarian and um, i think the agrarian versus urban divide is actually the most serious one in this country and the real underlying difference um between the two versions of reality. but Scott Adams wrote a great book on uh, the psychology and persuasion techniques of Trump called Win Bigly. And he has this great introductory uh, chapter called Two Movies: One Screen. And uh, he goes through and he's like, well on you know in 2016, half the country was acting purely irrationally and uh, the other half elected the savior of the country. Um, and, uh, he, he basically makes a very good case that both sides were acting very irrationally, um, not just one. And, uh, there's certainly, it's, it's fascinating and I don't have a lot of answers behind it. Um, and obviously I come down on one side and not the other. Um, but a, it seems that reality is this sort of shared conversation where we're all talking with each other like nodes in a network to come up with this sort of collective sense-making about what the truth is. And right now, the left and the right have completely different versions of reality, totally different. And so in a war zone, I can just imagine that being amplified even more so.
2: Yeah, yeah I wanted specifically not to bring up US politics in the, in the and <laughs> Understand. Discussion. Yep. Be- because it, it honestly, it it, it, I mean, if you want to be super serious about it, um it's it's a direct look to in the future, and mm-hmm. that terrifies the shit. You know, mm-hmm. and there's a, a, a thousand steps we can take before it ever gets to that point, but it, the fact that we're we're sitting here in the world that we live in and the political views of people that are at war right now and fighting a very massive, very costly war is not that far fetched from where we sit politically as a country. Sure. Yeah, and
0: I totally agree. That, that terrifies me.
1: Yeah. That terrifies me. And now that you, that you brought that up and, you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier in the conversation, you know, all these billions of dollars that are going to this effort and, where's it going? You know, it's, it's not, it's not visualized on what we're seeing. Um, You know, a lot of theories going on about, you know, the money laundering uh, not only for, you know, the Ukrainians, but also American, you know, the politicians and the oligarchy here that we have that, you know, they're dumping that in and it's getting laundered and it's going to other uh, bank accounts, um, throughout the world. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah.
0: Oh, and, and sorry. Yeah. Why don't you answer that? And I had kind of a, a comment after that. Oh, that's a question for me. Shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily a question. It's just uh, you know, it's, it's it, again, you know, it's one of those things that we're hearing here, but maybe that you haven't heard it in the news cause you said you're not, you've not know, been listening to the, to the news much,
2: but no, it's, it's an it's a <clears throat> it's a it's a very valid statement. Um there is a very um unaddressed corp- uh, corruption issue within the Ukrainian government in general. Um, it's like one of those it's it's just it, har- <laughs> it harks a lot to what we're dealing with right now. And I don't want to go too far down this road, and we can go no, as far down or pull back as oh, possible. As much as you're and, comfortable.
1: And, and, okay. So
0: maybe I. Accuses... Go ahead. Sorry, let me cut in because I see you doing something really consciously, and I want to back you up in it because okay. my de- dear departed friend, James Yeager, did the same thing you were doing over there. And he was very clear, which I hear you being somewhat more less, you know, he was pretty famous for being blunt. And you're you're being a little more nuanced in how you describe it, but his big thing was that he was here there for everyday people who didn't want to die. and he was training Ukrainians to survive a war zone. And what I hear you saying over and over again is exactly the same thing yeah. that you were you were going there to help individual people. You weren't there on behalf of a government. you were trying to help people survive a really dangerous situation am i putting words in your mouth or is that about what you're what you're trying to say
2: no that's it's extremely valid um that's that is correct um to to the point of um and once again anecdotal conversation um we had a group of guys that we were working with and they were dicking off in the woods as we all were because you know you can only put soldiers out in the woods for so long before they go fucking crazy sitting there at a
1: shenanigans ensue. Yeah, it's,
2: yeah. like, how fake are we going to fucking make this fake shit? Um, and they didn't listen. I mean, I lost my fucking shit, and I was like, look, guys, like, I'm here. Uh, I'm, I'm not being paid to be here. I'm not. Um, I don't want to be here. I'm at the same risk as you guys. Um, I'm just taking the wars that I have in my pocket, and I'm trying to teach it to you so that way you guys don't die. So when you go home, you can make grandbabies. You can make babies. You can have a wife you can have a life you can do these things so if you don't want to fucking pay attention to me that's fine go fuck yourselves but those of you that you want to pay attention to me let's have a conversation and let's discuss why the things that i'm telling you about are going to make you live longer um and it, it was that for me it was a very personal i want to teach this guy to stay alive if you don't i can teach 50 guys if 48 of them don't listen i can't help that but two guys that's two lives that that my life lessons have, have kept in the world and above ground breathing, you know, and that's important to me. And that's, that was the whole goal of everything. And please don't mistake
1: Uh, what I would just said as a reflection on you, because not at all, you've made it perfectly clear why you, why you were over there and, and you know, your intentions, but uh, you know, I guess more, more so again, the money that's going over there is not going to what it's intended for. And, Obviously, that's reflective in uh, the gear and equipment, and you know the ammo and uh, the defensives that they could have or should have.
3: So, yeah, yeah, so I just but, wonder if but, you were I hearing anything over there. Like I'm
2: not, I don't want to make you think that. I, I just kind of Brian. Brian sent me down this mine train, and I just kind of followed. He's followed good. with He's it.
1: He's good at that. Um, yeah.
2: what, <laughs> what I meant was so. There's, there's also. Very valid question. Um, Zelensky is n- softly known through the entire country as being corrupt. Yeah. Like it's not a, it's not a, it's, it's not, not a thing. A, yeah. It's just, just
1: no. They know it's a, it's a fact, and that's a fact that that's the way governments are run over there. Well, and we that, don't
2: talk about it, but it's, a, it's just.
1: Yeah, but here's something you know. I didn't know either: is that he was a, he was an actor. He was a comedian. Yep. He's actually a comedian. Yep. I just, I just, I just, I didn't realize that. And, you know, he has no political background whatsoever. He's he's like Ronald Reagan taking office, except he's not it, Ronald Reagan. It,
0: <laughs> it's even better than that. He was, he played like Martin Sheen on the West Wing, but in Ukraine. So he, <laughs> he, like on uh, 24, I forget the, the, uh, the actor's Sutherland. name. The Pre-
1: What's that? Sutherland.
0: No, not Sutherland. The, the... The black dude that played the president.
1: Oh, he was in uh, Major League. That guy, Serato. Surat,
0: <laughs> Boy, I'm not. Sh- I don't. That's going too far back for me. I'm not I sure. Can't. You that's,
1: never watched Major yeah, League? Jill and
0: I were like five when Na- Major League came out. Because Major
1: League not had Major League. he had uh, Charlie Sheen in it also, but it also had the guy that you're talking about.
0: Okay, so yeah, imagine that that guy ran for political office and won. That's the situation with Zelensky in Ukraine.
1: But he's a comedian.
0: It, he was a comedian too, <laughs> totally. Like a schlocky, like, yeah, he wasn't...
1: Like Monty Python. He had this this right. comedian right. group that they would travel around and do their little the shtick. And then he they started a TV um, network. Uh, and they started making TV shows. And uh, he did a couple of movies. And yeah, I mean, right up until his... Yeah. And like you said, he played this political figure that... He was kinda I think he was a president in that, that TV show and then I guess you know people saw him as a presidential figure and he got elected. Like have and you I,
2: seen his PR stunts that he's done?
1: I haven't. Dude.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, by stunts I mean like full on, like good moves. But he he went as soon as Kursan, you know, last like what, four days, was evacuated. Where was he? Boom. Right there. Camera crews, filmography lights everything i'm in kurson i'm at the i'm at i'm here i'm at the fucking place like i'm at the the civic center like where you saw russia's flag yesterday ukrainian flag is here the president's now here yeah like, he's doing all these pr moves and he's doing these things that um actors know to do and i i can't fault him for it because it works because guess what us in the west what do we want we want a good Public figure for the war we're fighting, and guess what? They delivered to us on that fucking hand platter.
1: Entertainment.
2: And we're fighting the Russians. We've been trying to do that for seventy years. Like he's like the little messiah that could. I guess you know. (laughs) Yeah. That they you know.
1: (laughs) Well, it it makes sense to me now. Again, you know why he's so good in front of the camera. I just I just never did any research on the dude before. Uh, and then I, you know, I got to reading up on this. I'm like, holy shit! I mean, this this totally makes sense. You know what's going on with this guy, and you know, again, looking at his network net worth prior to and then where he's at now with his, you know, network It's like, yeah, it, he's he's there for the money.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. And he just happened. He just happened to get elected, and all of a sudden, he's like, fuck. There's a war. Now do I do? Yeah. How do I make the best? Like, I mean, I'm not trying to justify anything he's doing, but like, I mentally understand how an actor who became a president of a country, when one the the second biggest, strongest military invades your country, and all of a sudden you're winning, I'm like, dude, PR fucking stunts all day long, all day long. <laughs>
1: he's never <laughs> let a tragedy go to waste. You know, he's one of those kind of guys. Exactly. Milking it for all it's worth. Um, but. Um, we are running long on this and I don't think we're going to have time to do the new guy questions. Uh, I would really like to do the new guy questions with you, uh, Neil. So
2: can I, I can I close out with the story though? Yeah. If we're going
1: to, yeah, I've, I've
2: actually like a a heart wrenching, like important story to me that I would
1: love to to tell. And, and that's, that's where we want to go with this. So, um, Unless there's anything, else. Like,
2: otherwise we can do some new guy stories and then we can come back to this. But I just
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, we're two and a half hours in this, so and I know Brian's got to go, and uh, I'm sure you do too. But let's, um, yeah, let's let's end this conversation with um, a story from you, Neil.
2: So, um, so th- this this kind of hits hit hit heavy for me. Um, so when I was in Donetsk, um, the whole point of me going out there was I was supposed to train ten snipers. Um, that had already been trained by the Canadian forces beforehand, and they'd gone through some schooling but needed more advanced schooling. And uh, like I said before, uh, the night before I got there, they got hit real heavy by the Russians. They lost uh, 150 dudes. And uh, so obviously the snipers couldn't get pulled off the front. Um, so I was there for a week and the last night I was there, I was finally able to meet the sniper, ins- uh, the, the sniper team leader, the section leader. And it was Probably the most touching moment of the war for me personally, just based off of my experiences in life. So um, this guy we were sitting we we're sitting in an apartment, he came up and it was probably about one in the morning. <clears throat> and, and it looked like a kid came in. Got blood on his face, a very dirty multi uniform, had some had some gear on, took it off. We're talking, I was talking to my interpreter. It was also the girl I was instructing at the time. And uh, I was like, "Hey, you know, tell me about him." And she goes, "Oh, well, you know, he's he's 23." it's like, "Okay." And sniper, sniper, sexually near. I was like, "Okay." You know, he's been fighting for six years. And I was like, "Wow, shit, okay." You know, because it. I'm like, why? Why is this child sitting in front of me? You know, why is he bleeding from his face? is, is that's not, obviously not his, his blood on his face. So I'm like, hey, like, what's going on with the blood? Goes, oh, well, one of his guys on his team got hit earlier today, and uh, he hasn't had a chance to clean up. I was like, what the fuck? Like, why? Like, then why is he here? Like, I am the last person that he needs to talk to in the world. He needs to, he needs to go eat. He needs to go shower. Like, he's like, it's just take care of yourself, bro. She goes, no, no, no. It's very important for him to come meet you. Like that, it's not. But I appreciate the that value. Um. And so he, he has some chai, you know, normal tea, cookies and stuff, and he leaves. And so I'm talking to my interpreter, who's friends with him. And I'm like, hey, so, like, tell me about him. What's going on with him? And she tells me, you know, oh, you know, he's like our little puppy. He's always, you know, he's always dirty. So whenever he comes here, we clean him. And I was like, oh, that's cute. I like, so tell me, like, what's, like, so tell me about tonight. Like, so it's like, what, 22, 23? Oh, yeah, 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 Okay. So he, how long he he fighting for? Six years that puts us back to 2014 where is he from um it was the city outside of kiev it okay? that um, it had a sh- it was like the massacre of the war um south or what it was north near kiev i want to say bucha bucha oh yeah yeah so there, and she was like he's from bucha and i was like holy fuck it's like, okay so you know he's 23 years old he's from bucha and fighting for six years i was like what happened like was the blood on his face because oh you know like he told me one of his guys got hit earlier and i was like fucking christ but i remember and I, and i tell the story to talk about him because he's like he's a young kid doing a man's thing for the last six years and like putting a hurt on the russian army like the, the dude is, I'm not saying visibly sightseeing level, but like the stories I heard about him, like he's pretty goddamn close. Um, but I was sitting there and I was, when I was 23, I was a sniper team leader. You know, I've been fighting for six years. I wasn't from, I was from Anchorage, Alaska. Like I'm no, I don't have that background, but I remember looking at him and going, I was you in the U.S. military almost 20 years ago. You know, and I remember when I came home from Iraq in two thousand and four and two thousand and six. I had the old guys coming to me and going, "You're so young, you're a child. Like, what are you doing?" And I was all of a sudden the guy telling him that, being like, "You're the like," and it was just a. And then, shit, I'm getting goosebumps right now just talking about it. Like it, it was such a surreal experience sitting there and talking to a dude that is. Doing what I did on another level, I'm not even trying to compare myself to what he's doing, but being at that age and having somebody tell them, like, you're a kid. And being the kid and going, I'm a fucking man. This is what I do. This is my job. I'm proud of what I'm doing right here. if If I can do this better, I will spend the rest of my waking days to do it better you know, and, and looking at that in his eyes and knowing that, that the thought process going on in his head, but being the old guy and going, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, you were a kid. You should not be living this life. You should not be doing these things, you know. Um, and that's what sat with me the most of this entire experience, is that, that, that non-conversation with this guy that I had entirely in my head based off of my own experiences and my understanding about him. And... The fact that that is not an outlying thing in Ukraine, you know, that is that is probably the rule, less the exception.
0: And and in human history, you know, we've we've had a Eric Weinstein calls it the great dream, you, you know, the po- post World War Two to a couple years ago and that we're waking up from. And uh, all of us have some uh, there's a whole bunch of realities that us as as. You know, I'll use the word privileged because it's the right word, not because it's woke. We've had a really privileged existence in the United States. And all of a sudden, a bunch of us are having to contemplate what the rest of our lives could be like. And I, I think the easiest years of my life are over. Um, and, yeah, we we live on kind of a razor's edge. There's that thin red line that people talk about that's a very real friggin' thing. And there's this chilling line in 1984. That if you want a vision of the future imagine a human or a, a boot coming down on a human face forever and like yeah there's some very heavy realities about living and and you know i didn't understand the human condition what that what that phrase meant when i was a young man and i'm starting to understand what it means now and it is not easy you know it's 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 yeah, there's some harsh shit there. And I've never been downrange, So I have no way of knowing your experience. Um, but uh, is it was, is it was very impactful that story. So thanks a lot for sharing it.
1: Um, yeah, humans are terrible. Yeah,
0: and wonderful. <clears throat> you know, that's that human condition thing. It's a total dichotomy. And it's really brutal, because you can't, the number of things you can say with certainty about humans. And have them be a hundred percent true. There's almost nothing you can say. We're we're one big dichotomy, you know, Mm. and and that whole yin and yang thing that Peterson is always talking about with chaos and order, and it's wild. And we're not in charge. That's for
1: damn sure. Well, you know, Neil's the the living example of that. And you know, when when it's time to go to war, you know, man can be a warrior, but when it's time to be generous and and giving and kind. And, you know, he's demonstrated that by going to this foreign country that we really have no business being there. I mean, there are reasons, but, um, and donating his time and his skills to these people that are literally fighting for their lives that are being aggressed upon for greedy political reasons uh, and, and these people are caught in the middle of it and he has donated his time to go and, and show them how to survive as best they can. And you know again, showing both sides of the, the human spectrum there. and I mm-hmm. uh, really appreciate you coming on, Neil, and sharing the story with us with our listeners. Um, and Brian, uh, you taking the time to come on and uh, you know offering your, your huge intellect, To uh, And perspective, I mean, because you have, you do bring a very unique perspective to um, situations like this that uh, we don't get to see or hear in the media, Uh, the media, the news, you know, the way that they're broadcasting it. And Neil's firsthand perspective, I guarantee you, uh, for our listeners, is contrast to everything that we're hearing in the news, you know. So appreciate you doing that, both of you being on and um, educating us, Legucating <laughs> the uneducated, as we like to say here. Um, Neil, I want to have you back because I want to do the new guy questions with you because they're so okay. fun. So we're gonna we're gonna have you back on. Maybe maybe we'll get you on the uh, final AK corner and maybe we'll we'll do some stuff there when we give away. As I mentioned in earlier in the show, we're giving away another BFT-47 from Century Arms Leadheads. We're going to be selling tickets for that uh, to raise money for the Sheepdog Impact Assistance. We're going to do a raffle. Uh, I'm going to give you all the info on that. It's coming soon, so be listening. Pay attention. And then also, uh, for our 10-year anniversary, we're going to have a, a big giveaway uh, we're going to get all our friends, uh, the show, all our sponsors together. We're going to have some awesome prizes, and we've already started kicking it off with Century Arms. Just put up an AP-5 9 millimeter, uh delayed bull, you know, roller. What is that called, Brian? <laughs> uh,
0: roller lock something. Blow um, back. <laughs> clone. They're awesome.
1: Right. Uh, the, very similar cool. to MP-5s. They told me not to call it a clone because it's not an MP-5 clone. Uh, so... Um, okay, sorry, no, I don't know that I'm just going by what they told me, but so you get an idea if you're, who don't know what it is, but go to their website. It's on there. AP five. It's awesome. They're right. They're like three grand or something. I mean, they're, they're not, they're not cheap. Uh, and then our good buddies at IWI, Jeremy's put up a Tavor, um, that we're going to be putting, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Jeremy's my boy. <laughs> you, you were doing real good until right then. Just calm down, buddy. So, <laughs> well, come on.
1: I like me some Jeremy Crescent. <laughs> good old Jeremy. Yep. So I uh, didn't flinch a muscle. Uh, I sent out the request to let everybody know I was going on, and he was the first one to respond. Just like that. He's like, Tavor, baby, right there. Uh, so we've got those. We got uh, Mission First Tactical is going to be putting up. I know a bag and probably some holsters, and you know, it just depends on who else does stuff. They'll throw up some some cool accessories to go with the other prizes that we have, and our friends over at ASP USA have jumped in already with some, uh, I think, flashlights, some CS spray, some, some other cool stuff, uh, and they also upped their discount for you leadheads to 20%. You go to ASP USA, use the code LEADHEAD, all caps, and you're going to get 20% off anything on their website there. They're, they've got the training guns, they've got the handcuffs, they got the batons. Hey, one of their batons over here. Uh, I really like my baton. Here's my baton. Oh. nice. do some knee slapping with that right there, baby? Um, and then our other sponsors, go show SIL1 some love. SEAL1.com, use the code LEADHEAD, get 25% off. Uh, and keep in mind, Black Friday and all the big sales are going on. So some of these codes, they may even be doing better stuff on their websites than, than our codes that we've got here. So go check them out. Could be some better deals floating around there, their Instagrams, their websites. But SealOne.com, onecom Leadhead, 25% off. Mission First Tactical, Leadhead, you get 20% off. They've got a new uh, AR handguard that they've just released. Uh, you guys might want to go check that. It's new and improved over the the previous ones. I haven't got my hands on it yet, um, but I plan to. Um, Seventeen Seventy Six United to get our logoed apparel with the classic Talking Lead logo and our Leadhead Brigade logo. You go to Seventeen Seventy Six United. Use the code Talking Lead. Get twenty percent off. I know for a fact they've got some smoking deals going on their website. So uh, go check it out for the Black Friday. Um, you get even better better deals there. Factory 47, good good buddy James Bialzak. I call him Bzak. Uh, Factory 47, he does our AK Corner logoed items. I've got some around here somewhere. Uh, but you can go there and get the hoodies, the the leddies. Um, I don't have one here, but I got to get another leddy. I left mine in uh, Sturgis. So somebody in Sturgis got a nice Factory 47 Big gulp cup uh, of mine. Um, you can go there, use the code LEADHEAD, get 10% off. Uh, Pete Pye at Defiant Munitions. I've seen he's been running some smoking deals. Um, probably better than the code that we've got here, but it's LEADHEAD also. You get 10% off if you use that code. But go check him out. He's been running some really good deals I've been seeing on social media, Defiant Munitions. IWI, go check them out. I'm sure they're going to have some smoking deals. Going on as well. kel same thing. Leadhead, 15% off uh, anything in their store, but I'm sure they're running some good deals over at kel too. And then Lockdown, uh, our newest friend of the show, Lockdown. You can go there. Uh, you see awesome walls behind me that I've got my firearms. And, oh, did you guys notice my deer rack that I've got there? I just got that this weekend.
0: Nice. <laughs>
1: Had a nice I, I harvest. I
0: noticed it before, but now I do. It comes out pretty good on video.
1: Yeah. So let me move my camera over there so you can. Nice nine pointer that I bagged with that crossbow you see right there. Center okay. point crossbow. Sweet. Um, it's going to be a couple of weeks before I get my meat, but I'm looking forward to, to that tasty little harvest right there. But Lockdown, if you want a cool wall like that, they're going to be released next year. But they're going to give you, Leadheads, 15% off anything Lockdown uh, on their website right now until whenever. Uh, and then you can also use it when these walls come out. 15% off. Use code LEADHEAD. At Lockdown, they've got nice safe accessories. So um, they've got alarms. They've got some humidifying uh, humidifier-controlled things there they've got uh gun racks magnets all kinds of cool stuff accessories for your firearms and your safes go to lock down uh, and get that and then our good buddies at occam defense solutions brian you guys got anything planned coming up
0: yeah we will absolutely be doing a black friday event and um, it's going to be a real percent off of everything on our web store um production on rifles is still on a pause um but we'll be coming back we are at least going to do a small run um in the next couple months here and uh, we will be publicizing that we also have a, a i just dropped some pics on instagram our adjustable gas block is now going to be available in a combo mode where it's got a front sight as well as the adjustable gas block and so for you guys who like running traditional setups that's going to be a really nice solution for you for running suppressed or running hot versus cold like neil going from arizona to alaska um having (laughs) adjustable gas when you make that big a jump um not so much down near anchorage but my friends in fairbanks shoot when it's negative 60 out uh so or they might have to shoot when it's negative 60 out and the uh difference in um, ballistics between negative 60 and plus 50 or 40, uh, is, is amazing. And I mean, centigrade. So like 115 Fahrenheit to negative 60 Fahrenheit, that's a monster swing. And, uh, your bullets behave differently. Your gassing behaves differently. The other big place is with, well, competition shooters with being able to tune your bolt carrier speed. Neil's a big fan of running. He, He's very particular about how he likes his guns gassed and uh, you can be too with an adjustable gas block.
1: There you go. Not that you're going to shoot as good or better than Neil, but it it gives you the option to be able to. You can try. You can try. You're going to lose every time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: and uh, of course, adjustable gas blocks most cool for cans, but I think everybody knows that. Um,
1: Absolutely. Very good. And that's Occam defense solutions.com or Occam defense.com.
0: Occam defense.com. We finally broke down and bought it from the trolls that were hanging on to it. So made it easy.
1: Ah, oh, those bastards.
0: Yeah. I looked Well, respect the con. I, you know, that's smart. It's I really looked smart. up
1: AK corner today and somebody has stolen my AK corner. website. I was going to go ahead and get it. And, uh, with a K, A-K-K-O-R-N-E-R. Somebody, somebody's already got it, bastards.
0: Oh, yeah. For anybody thinking of starting a business, uh, buy your website before you name your business. Like, yeah, it's, it's a thing.
1: Yeah. yeah. And don't let it expire after you do it. Facts. Facts. Yeah.
0: Didn't Google, so one of the big companies
2: found that out in the last, like, 10 years. No way. Yeah.
1: No. I'm I remember hearing something that. about that, yeah.
2: Oh, it was um i want to see it was google but it, it wasn't what, but it was, it was like, like that level of like yeah. just massive company they, they just forgot like it was like a, a, a three-hour period and someone bought it up for like 1200 dollars or some shit like that like something just astronomically low
0: man they the sold it courts fucked them i did hear about this okay totally yep yep because
2: they were like yo 30 billion dollars or you know some of astronomical like that and they're like oh <laughs> uh, no the court yeah. was like no, you can't do that like i'm pretty sure i can because i own this and they have to pay me for it so yeah i don't understand how that works but some
0: things that are well because my biggest it's biggest corrupt it's
1: crooked and those people you know grease yeah as, as the george
0: court. garland said it's a big club And you ain't in it. (laughs)
1: Exactly. But guess what club we are in? We're in the Leadhead Brigade, baby. And all our listeners get to take advantage of all these offers that our our sponsors, our friends of the show, throw out there each and every uh, day for you. So take advantage of those, uh, because if you're not using it, what's the old saying, Brian? If you don't use it, you lose it?
0: Something like that.
1: Uh, so go show all our sponsors, all our friends of the show, love our guests like Neil. Hit them up on their, their social medias if they have them, their websites. Um, and let them know how much you appreciate them being on the show. Uh, they love to hear from you. And uh, that, that's how we get them back on. Send nudes.
0: Send <laughs> yeah. send Neil lots of nudes.
1: For his, his lonely trips between bus rides from... Uh Poland to Kiev. <laughs> I'll
2: tell you what ain't, ain't nothing lonely Going from Warsaw to Kiev
1: <laughs> Hey we gotta talk about this uh, Tinder so we're gonna sign off You're gonna give me some uh, Tinder points like, for... That's
0: probably the best ride ever <laughs> <laughs> The mask slipped I dig it <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Leadheads, have a great Thanksgiving I hope everybody gets lots of turkey And, and potatoes And dressing And whatever your favorite Thanksgiving uh, Mine's like green bean casserole I love my mom's green bean casserole So I'm looking forward to that And I hope everybody doesn't get fleeced you know, With the inflation and everything So I hope everyone's able to enjoy their Thanksgiving And while you're doing that Leadheads, as always, remember Keep your loved ones close
2: And your firearms closer. But remember, don't talk politics
0: during Thanksgiving. That's the best way to ruin the weekend.
1: Because that's just damn rude.
0: (laughs) Unless you're in a family of liberals.